0: and sit in the morning on the red apple podcast network
1: can i get a what what
2: goes out to my partner, Bernard McGurk. Bernie, not uh, back yet. Hopefully, we'll be back on Monday. But I I did get a text. This was really weird. Five minutes ago, 5.58 a.m., from one Carol McGurk. Of course, the beautiful wife of Bernie McGurk. I love Carol. And uh, she sent me this just moments ago. She says, hey, Sid, Bernie sends his love back at you. Mr. Matidis, Matt, and everyone on the show. Uh, Dr. Joshua Smith is the doctor at Sloan Kettering who performed emergency life-saving surgery on Bernard last week. It was that bad. He had a horrible, horrible case of uh, peritonitis, and it was life-threatening. And once again, Dr. Joshua Smith uh, did the, the emergency surgery and saved Bernie's life. She said his appendix burst. It looked like a truck ran over it. That's how bad it was on Thursday. She said me and Bernie will be forever grateful to Dr. Joshua Smith. So let's start off today's show with a shout-out to Dr. Joshua Smith at Memorial Sloan Kettering for being a great doctor and uh, from a personal standpoint, of course, saving the life of my dear friend, my partner for uh, 25 years now, Bernie McGurk. So, Bernie, glad you're doing better Carol, we love you both. Dr. Joshua Smith, thank you so much. But on this uh, big, big news day in New York, primary day, the day after, we do have a special guest in studio. Bernie's not here today, but we've got a guy who not only ran an unbelievable race for governor, And with four men running that race, Harry Wilson, Rob Astorino, him and Lee Zeldin finished a very respectable second place. But since then, he's done a bunch of shows right here on Talk Radio 77 WBC, including doing his own show a week ago for his dad when his dad had to face a grand jury nonsense in the state of Georgia. So my partner for today on this big day in New
3: York City is the very talented Andrew Giuliani. Good morning, Andrew. Sid, good morning. I got to tell you, you know, first and foremost to Bernie, we're all obviously thinking about you. Somebody who's been a fan of you guys for so long. Uh, you know, you, the chemistry that you guys have together, and, and obviously we're, we're thankful that they caught this thing on him right there. You know, as, as you played the Warrior, I kept thinking – Paul O'Neill retired number on Sunday. The Yankees have, have won ever since they retired Paul's. Yeah. I thought we were going into Paul, but certainly <laughs> Bernie has, has been the definition well, of a warrior and what he's you're, gone you're, through. And and every time by I By the heard,
2: way, you're, you're already off to a very rough start. You do not uh, start doing a show with Sid Rosenberg and praise the New York Yankees. I was going
3: to bring a broom for you, Sid. I was going to bring it for you today here, but I figured, you know what, that might get me out the show by the first break. So I figured I'd, I'd at least wait until the 9 o'clock hour, at which point I'll have it delivered. <laughs> it was a Big Sunday for Paul O'Neill. The Yankees did retire,
2: number 21. And to Andrew's point, the Yankees did beat the Mets again last night. Identical scores the last two nights, 4-2. And in both nights, Aaron Judge with monster home runs. We'll get to that later on. The Yankees on their way back. And the Mets now have to kind of regroup after two bad losses to the Yanks. But uh, in terms of competition... Yesterday was quite the day here in New York. I know last night you covered all of this with uh, Dominic uh, Carter on the election show. Let's get to the biggest race in New York, the one that got the most attention, Andrew. And that, of course, had uh, two 30-year vets going head-to-head. Jerry Nadler and Carolyn Maloney, I'll say it again, (laughs) two horrible people. I I mean, really disgusting, horrible people,
3: but lifelong Democrat politicians. And Jerry Nadler got the easy win. Yeah, you know, between hearing Nadler and then hearing Goldman in New York 10, I kept having nightmares about the impeachment. Obviously, I was working through the impeachments with President Trump back in 2019, and to see the two of them uh, be the stars, I guess, of last night, if you can call Jerry Nadler that a star. But I think the thing that was surprising, Sid, was how convincingly he ended up beating Maloney. That district actually was 75% Maloney's old district, but I think the fact that Once Maloney actually stepped in it saying that Biden's not going to run again, that turned off the Democratic base right there. And so Nadler had the opportunity, even though he stumbled his way through these debates. We saw it. He said he impeached President George W. Bush. (laughs) I'm sorry. George W. Bush has not been president for about 15 years. (laughs) Even more. But it, it shows, I think, really. Uh, I I really think that uh, I'm just I'm just shocked by the fact that it was such a big yeah, margin of me victory. Me too. Actually, 14 years. You're right. 2008. Yeah. Obama won. Uh, math. Um. No, math is racist, though, Bernie. So <laughs> I don't want to be too good at it.
2: Right now, she did claim after the loss, she used the word misogyny, and uh, so I guess I have to claim every time I don't get what I want. <laughs> right, if I don't get something that I expect to get, it's got to be anti-Semitism. That's what the Democrats do. I mean, look, neither awful candidate. She's an awful candidate. For whatever reason, he won, but I don't think misogyny yeah. was the reason why, yet she threw out that term yesterday, something Democrats
3: do now, Andrew, all the time. Yeah, well, look, if you disagree with what George Soros is doing, they say that's anti Semitic. Uh, when ultimately everything is about uh, what your identification is. Uh, then that's what they end up talking about right there. So to me, this is just what we've seen from the Democratic Party right there. They look at terms of checking boxes. With Carolyn Maloney, you had a female right there. I mean, you could say with Nadler, if Nadler would have lost, it would have been anti-Semitic according to their determination because he was the only. I think he's now the only Jewish sitting member of Congress. In the state of New York, which is pretty amazing because I think just as of 10 years ago, you were talking about six or seven different sitting members here. But like you said, these are this is a race between two people who I certainly disagree with vehemently. To yeah. be continually watching this last night, it was one of those things that, hey, look, one of these one of these two people going to retire. <laughs> Carolyn Maloney, her answer is she's retiring this January. Yeah. I hope Jerry Nadler's not too far behind.
2: Yeah, that. one of these two people are going to win, which is terrifying. One was going to retire And that was uh, great news. I think if you're a Republican, though, the scariest loss of the night was uh, Mark Molinaro. Uh, I got to know Mark very well in 2018 when he ran for governor. In fact, I told this story many times. The day of the election... We all went down to Aldo's Pizzeria yeah. on Cross Bay Boulevard in Howard Beach, and we made pizza. Me, Mark Molinaro, Eric Ulrich, a bunch of other folks. And uh, Molinaro took it on the chin. He got blown out by Andrew Cuomo. But I saw in Molinaro a good-looking guy, smart guy, and I saw a future for him. Yeah. And I really thought he was going to beat Pat Ryan in this special election. But two nights ago, Kathy Hochul had a huge rally for Pat Ryan, huge rally. And really what he concentrated on was abortion and gun laws. That was it. And in the
3: end, he got himself a victory, which to me, Andrew, is a victory for Kathy Hochul. Yeah, we were calling it a bellwether. And looking at this, I really wanted to see because there was a lot of money that was poured into it, unlike so many of the other races last night, which pitted... Democrat versus Democrat and Republican versus Republican. This actually was going to be a race that was going to determine who was going to be a sitting representative. Uh, We were calling it last night along with Dominic Carter and and David Patterson here on WABC. uh, The New York Rangers and New Jersey Devils of the Hudson River because it was the Battle of the Hudson right here. You had the Ulster County Executive and Ryan, obviously, versus Molinaro, who's the Dutchess County Executive. But it was a race that I was a little bit surprised about. I thought it was a race that Molinaro was going to pull out by mid-single digit. It looks like he's going to lose it by less than three points over here. Uh, Both will be running again in separate districts because of this crazy redistricting process here, Uh, So they'll both be running again in November. They both ended up winning this. But it's certainly one of those things that uh, I think Republicans need to look at and say, what are going to be the top issues that voters are really concerned with? And I'm really interested to see some of those exit polls in terms of what were the voters that went out there? What were their top three issues? You see, like, you don't
2: know all this stuff. Like, you really know all this stuff. Like, like me, I, I told you I'm watching the Yankee game.
3: I'm putting the moves on Danielle trying to have sex. I'm not paying attention to any of this it stuff. It sounded like you had a pretty good night, Sid. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I I really enjoyed being with Dominic Carter and Governor Patterson. Here, but but uh, this it sounded like you had a pretty good night. <laughs> So I
2: wasn't all that knee deep in all this stuff. But uh You're we knee met- deep in something else. Exactly yeah, right. Yeah, something better. <laughs> but we did mention two of the big races. Another big race that we pay attention to on this show because of Peter King, who will join you and I coming up at eight forty, Andrew, was this race on Long Island, Robert Cornicelli, who I met ironically at a Yankee game yeah. about a month ago with Danielle and Jen DelAndro. Great guy. A yeah. uh, guy served the country certainly shares the same philosophies you and I and Bernie Mm -hmm. do. He's our guy. Against Andrew Garbarino, who doesn't seem like he's our guy. And again, I gave Garbarino the opportunity to come on here two days ago, and he pulled the old, well, I'm campaigning, F you. Whatever you're doing on the campaign trail is not going to give you Half the exposure you're going to get if you come on with me. He doesn't like me. I get it. But I love Peter King. So I give Andrew the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. An
3: easy win yeah. for Garbarino well, yesterday. I don't know if it was so easy, though, Sid. I mean, I look at that and say Cornicelli got nearly 40% of the vote. Oh, that's right. There's, right. Another, that's right. there's okay. another guy named, named Rake Brandt who took about 10% of the vote, uh, about 9% of the vote from him. So Garbarino didn't even crack 52%, which for an incumbent out there, I think that says that, you know, look, he, he's got to look at his policies. The fact that he ended up voting for January 6th, which we know about. Uh, obviously, look, we've got, to, we've he got also, a round, he also, rally behind him. He also used the word insurrection yeah. on his website.
2: Yeah. That really pissed off me and Bernie yeah. And Peter's like... Okay, it's one word. you got
3: to move past one word, but it meant a little more than that. Absolutely, absolutely. And obviously, look, our our words, as we've learned from the left, are so important, especially when we're talking about this specific issue right here. Uh, Look, there's no doubt about it. I've gotten to know Rob Cornicelli over the campaign trail over the last four or five months, and he is a really, really good man, a captain. The fact that he cracked 40% or almost cracked 40% I think uh, shows a potential bright future for him. Uh, But look, Garbarino, hold hold on, let me stop you now. Is that
2: more, look, when when Joe Biden won, for example, Mm -hmm. okay, Joe Biden didn't win. Anybody who voted for Joe Biden just voted against Donald Trump. It wasn't a vote for Biden. Uh, Yesterday's finished by Cornicelli, uh, just to repeat your point. Is that Cornicelli with a bright future or is that more
3: of an indictment of Andrew Garbarino? I think it's probably both. I think it's probably both, and I think I would look also at the money in this race. I think Garbarino outspent him 8-1, to one, might be 9-1 to one even. So when wow. you look at that, the fact that he was only able to get 52%, I think you had a good candidate in Cornicelli that maybe just was not able to get quite the exposure that he, he possibly needed. But I think also you had uh, you know, one of those situations where people were coming out and voting against exactly what you talked about, calling it an insurrection, doing all that. So I think it's a combination of both, but uh, you know, for a first-time candidate for somebody that probably, unless you listen to Bernie and Sid or watch Steve Bannon, you know, you're probably not hearing too much of too much of him. I think he did a pretty good job. He did. Okay. So what did you take away? What is the big picture,
2: Andrew Giuliani,
3: from yesterday's day here in New York City? Is is there a big picture? In New York City specifically, I would say with Nadler and and what Goldman looks like, it's going to go down to the absentee ballots. I was looking a little bit at that race right there. He's up about 1,000 votes. There are 21,000 absentee ballots that have been sent out. So that race may be far from over at this point. Uh, But New York City, I think right now, unfortunately, we're living in a place, when you look at certainly in Manhattan, that's... Dominantly liberal, right? That's the thing. Well, let me stop you right there because you ran for governor against Lee Zeldin. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right now, you and
2: I are both enthusiastically in Zeldin's corner. In fact, I've got a big event with Lee coming up. We'll talk about it later. Lee says he needs to get somewhere between 29 and 35 percent of the vote in the city to win this race. And you just said yesterday made it very, very clear this is still a very blue
3: city. So it's a big picture. Not good for Lee Well, certainly in Manhattan, it's very, very blue. He's not going to get 30% of Manhattan, but if he ultimately can drive out the votes that he needs in Queens, in certainly the areas in Brooklyn that he needs, and in Staten Island, then he can reach that 30% number. You're not going to get that 30% number in Manhattan. We could just look back at that Alvin Bragg race over there. How on earth? Does a guy like Alvin Bragg get 80% of the vote? Well, it's because he's running in Manhattan specifically. So, look, I think he's got a chance. I know there's a poll that came out yesterday that had Lee down 20-something points. But I looked at that poll, and I saw that it had him down 17 points in the suburbs, to me, that, that's, a, that's a complete fake poll right there. There's no way that Lee Zeldin, I think, is even losing the suburbs. Forget about losing it by double digits or by 17 points over here. That's his stronghold. That's Long Island. Trust me, I ran against him. He knows how to get his vote out in Long Island. That was the place that made the difference between him winning and I winning right there. So right, right. I, I, think, I think there is some hope. I think, though, uh, look, it might have to be one of those situations where Zeldin can get Hochul in a debate and get her to say something stupid, just like mm. McAuliffe said about parents not being the primary stakeholders in our kids' education. Look, I've been in the same room as Kathy Oakle. I spoke at the same event as her. Uh, I don't think she's a mental heavyweight, to be perfectly <laughs> no, honest. Not, so Lee no, might be able no. to do it. Lee's definitely yeah. a smarter guy right. than she is. So right. I, I'm hopeful that you know when they look each other eye to eye, Lee might be able to outnavigate navigate her. It's kind of sad, though, with
2: all the policies that are ruining this city yeah. and ruining this state. That we're counting on a McAuliffe Youngkin moment in a debate for people to come to the realization that Lee Zeldin is the better candidate. I yeah. mean, you got filth, you've got crime, you've got taxes, you've got corruption, any lack of energy efficiency. Just look at what's going on in this city and this state, and you're telling me I need a Kathy Hochul slip-up in a debate to make sure I win this election? Yes. Yes, oh, that's what God, I'm telling you. I know,
3: I know, <laughs> <laughs> I it, know. It, it drives me nuts every day. Look, my wife and I, we talk about it all the time. I mean, on... On top of that, look at gas prices, look at look at the economy. I know you could say those are national issues there, but, I mean, look at what Hochul's done from a gas perspective where she could have cut 50 cents a gallon off. She decides only to cut 16 cents off so she can appease both the left and the right on this stuff. She is a political animal. Uh, t- to me, th- this is absolutely wild that people don't actually see this. But that's what happens when you live in a state that's two to one Democrat, to Republican. We need some of those common sense Democrats to come on over and see that this is not sustainable if Kathy Ockel gets four years. All
2: right, that's Andrew Giuliani. Folks, will be here all morning long. We've got a, a monster show planned for you. Lee Zeldin, he's going to stop by. Peter King, he's going to stop by. Tina Forte, she's going to stop by. Kimberly Guilfoyle and or Donald Trump Jr. may stop by. Rudy Giuliani, Andrew's dad, will probably stop you have his five. number, right? His number? Yeah, Rudy's number? Okay,
4: good. I, I, I text him.
2: He, I, he, won't, he won't pick up my calls. So. I text him on naked pictures <laughs> on those Saturdays. That's between you and I. I think he likes me more than you. 1 800 848 WABC, 1 800 848 9222. You want to be entertained and informed? You keep it right here, Bernie and Sid. Bernie's hanging in there, folks. I just spoke to Carol, but we got a great guy in studio today, Andrew Giuliani. It's Andy and Sid on a Wednesday morning in New York City.
0: On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
2: Wednesday morning, Sid and uh, Andrew Giuliani with you. Big guest list about to come your way. We broke down all of these big races, primary day in New York yesterday. Anthony Fauci is still in the news. He was on with Rachel Maddow on MSNBC two nights ago. He was on a couple of shows yesterday, CNN and uh, someplace else. It doesn't matter. He was on with Caitlin Collins, and uh, we'll get Andrew's take on Fauci momentarily, but here is Anthony Fauci with Caitlin Collins, and he says COVID-19 should prepare us for another outbreak. Again, if you didn't hear, Dr. Fauci set to retire in December, but he ain't just walking away. Folks like Rand Paul want meat. They want a piece of Fauci's ass. Here's Fauci with Caitlin Collins yesterday.
1: This is historic, Caitlin. We did not see anything like this in well over 100 years It's to get through this and at the same time have lessons learned that would prepare us for the inevitability of another outbreak. I've been saying that we need to be prepared because pandemics will occur and there's preparation and there's response and we've got to do better than what we've done and hopefully we've learned important lessons through this painful two and a half year experience that we've been through. And what if so, as I
2: said, terrible cut job there, by the way. Hey, Phil, who cut that? What is that lady's voice at the end? And what did, who did that? You guys listen to this stuff before you give it to me? Which colour was that? Oh, Jesus, forget it. Uh, anyway, I did say that Rand Paul wants a piece of Fauci. He mentioned that two days ago. Kennedy out of Louisiana said the same thing. This guy's not just walking away. He lied to us. We want answers. So Fauci talked about that last night with Caitlin Collins. Here's Anthony Fauci, number two.
5: If
6: once you've retired, Republicans want you to go testify, is that something you would do?
1: Sure, I certainly would consider that. But you've got to remember, I believe oversight is a very important part of government structure. And I welcome it and it can be productive. But what has happened up to now is more of a character assassination than it is oversight. So sure, I'd be happy to cooperate so long as we make it something that is a dignified oversight, which it should be and not just bringing up ridiculous things and attacking my character. That's not oversight.
2: Says who? Uh, What's ridiculous? That we think the origin came from a lab? That we think you knew that? That we think you lied, knowing better to the American people for years and years? What exactly is ridiculous? You spent time with Anthony Fauci, Andrew, at the White House during your days working for Donald
3: Trump. What do you think about this, Fauci
2: what do you story? Mean?
7: This
3: is very clear, right? Americans deserve to know where this came from. Americans deserve to know about gain-of-function research. Not only do we deserve to know, and all those people who died from COVID-19 and all those family members, do they deserve to know, but to better prepare us for you know whatever a potential pandemic that comes next, whether it's in another 100, 200 years, right? We need to know how this actually started, right at its very root cause. And the fact that Anthony Fauci very well might know that, but... What do you mean very well well? may know that? Of course he knows that. Exactly. You know that. And and the (laughs) the fact that he, well, if he does know that, which we think he is, then he's overtly lying to Congress. Correct. Continually, time and time and time again. Correct. And instead is addressing it as a character assassination rather than actually what it is, which is oversight for the American people. What do you think?
2: I mean, don't you think this thing originated in the lab in in China? I
3: absolutely do. I absolutely do. I think I think it did. Uh, And looking at uh, all of the information that we've seen, I think it absolutely did. Now, whether or not it was overt or whether it's something that ended up leaking out, uh, you know, I'm not certain about that. But that's that's why we need to ultimately see and have these questions asked to Anthony Fauci. See what was up in terms of the gain of function research going on at the end of of the 20 teens. You told me a funny
2: story. You yeah. said you guys would have these meetings
3: yeah. in the White House, and I would watch these things every day.
2: Five o'clock, it was must-watch TV. Donald Trump, Mike Pence, Dr. Burks and yeah. uh, this uh, idiot, Dr. Fauci, must-watch TV. And you would say that in the meetings prior to these big press conferences – you couldn 't get a word out of the guy, and then you'd get up to
3: the mic and he wouldn 't shut the hell up well and the thing that was amazing about that is you 're right he would shut up he would be like a clam he wouldn 't say anything <laughs> over <laughs> over the course of the meetings, and then he 'd give you new information to the entire American people, so he wasn 't even being honest with the actual task force. oh my God, forget about the American people, and we know where he went on mass back and forth and this and that. Um, To me, this is something that uh, the American people deserve to know answers, so we're better prepared coming forward. So that way, all the victims, all the families actually have answers on all this stuff over here. Instead, you have the Caitlin Collins of the world who continue to prop up Anthony Fauci as this basic God, more or less. When when I look at this and the fact that he's continued to lie to the American people, we can't get the answers that we actually need.
2: You live in the city, and uh, I used to live in the city. I
3: got out. You're downtown. I
2: was downtown for about two years before covid i lived down by hanover square by wall street i actually liked it there a lot then i went to the upper west side that was hell um (laughs) but i'm in the city every day still now third avenue my son will go to the school in chelsea starting in september i'm all over the city and I'm still shocked. I talk about this, Andrew, almost every day at the amount of New Yorkers, young, old, black, white, that walk around in 75 degree plus
3: temperatures yeah. and a sunny day wearing masks. Yeah, I saw yesterday somebody working out and running wearing a mask no, you right didn't. there. Yeah, don't, did, you want, don't you want to trip that person? I, you just you just <laughs> want to say like, hey, come on, stop being so indoctrinated. It's okay. You want to just grab them by the cheeks. Yeah. They would Hey, that would that would drive them absolutely nuts if you did that. <laughs> and just say like, come on, come on, like, just follow the real science on this when not, did you stop, stop wearing a
2: mask when, when did you put the mask away
3: I put the mask away pretty early on. I Good mean, man. T- t- to be honest, I would I would wear it if I was in an elevator with somebody very, very early on. But I yeah. mean, by certainly by the summer of 2020.
2: Did your wife yell at you about the mask? Because <laughs> no, Danielle, Danielle she had,
3: made me miserable. She made me had, miserable. My wife has plenty to yell at me about. A yeah. mask is not one of she those things. She didn't do that. She okay. probably doesn't get to see my face, so that probably actually helps <laughs> her. So she's probably pretty happy that I get to wear a mask I told right this story
2: there, the know. day when COVID first hit. Yeah. So we're living on the Upper West Side... And And uh, Danielle never got it, right? So she, she claims, and she's right. She's done everything right. She never got it. So I would still take the train, like you did this morning. And the train was filthy, right? So I would get to my door. And she would not allow me inside the apartment. I swear to God. Right? So you have to. I had to get naked. I, I swear, Andrew, I'm in my lobby in my apartment on the 14th floor. There's got to be 10 other apartments <laughs> there, And I'm naked. Until I was stripped down naked, I could not walk inside the apartment. And then I had to jump right into the shower and put my clothes right into the washing machine. And if I was out with her and didn't wear a mask, she gave me hell. Were you naked with a mask on? I mean, did you have to wear the mask as well? You know, That was on Saturday night. On after Saturday a couple Saturday of night. shots at okay. the killer. Well, you know well, what I'm you saying, you, you kinky bastard, Andrew.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, she, I can't believe she hasn't got it. She's like one of the only people that I know yeah. that have not gotten she, this at all. I can't really is. think of anybody else, I mean, Bro. whether or not... You've, you've been vaccinated, boosted seven times, nope. or whether or not. I mean, I, I feel like everybody that I know has ultimately got this. Me thing, too. And most have gotten it two or three times. At this 36 point. marathons.
2: Yeah. Keeps herself wow. in, and like your wife. Your wife's a, uh, like a professional athlete. Yeah,
3: she was. You know, I mean, Daniel I mean, amazing shape there, but she got it one time, and she was able to fight it off pretty, pretty well. Did she
2: get it early on, or doing like that second? She got
3: it the second wave, Christmas last. That's what I got. The delta, I got the delta. Yeah, Yeah. sucked. Yeah,
7: (laughs) for two days, I really felt like crap. Yeah, Yeah. it's forty-eight
3: hours where you're sweating it out, you feel a little cold, and all that stuff. You're going through it right there. Yeah, Uh, but thankfully, she was able to get through it pretty quickly. I mean, it's it's an an honest question. You're not going to get this on most shows. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your wife has the Delta,
2: right? But she's she's had a couple of drinks, Mm -hmm. and she just wants to do it. (laughs) Do you say no, or do you absolutely?
3: Well, the, you know, I I don't want to really describe this to you, Sid, but there are ways to position yourself where you can still socially distance and do all that. that so right? Exactly, the, the answer, yeah, it is right there. It is. I mean, you should know. I, while we were in studio yesterday, you were working on that right there. We can have we can have a conversation after ten o'clock on how to do that. It right is there. funny but, though
2: that they, back then, when it first started, they would say sex is okay, but you have
3: to socially distance. I'd be like. How do you do that? Unless you're like an NBA player, you could be ten feet apart. <laughs> <laughs> so were they promoting at one point wearing masks while doing that? I think I saw something. I, saw I think that. I saw a picture of two people wearing masks with nothing else on. It's as you true. talked about right Look, there, they did. doing that? Yeah, they did do that. Well, you know,
2: it was that's... ridiculous. God, the whole thing was silly. <laughs> <I> was probably. Trapping... <laughs>
3: <laughs> Remember they had didn't they have Anthony Fauci condoms for a while? They did. I believe yes, they did. Yes. Right? I still well, have a box great. of those. You want oh, to borrow a couple that's of <laughs> what,
2: Well, what a dick. <laughs> That'll be for Christmas. <laughs> Traffic and sports are coming up next, but right now it is time for the 77 WABC clip of the day. Listen to 77 WABC Sports Top Five on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Here are my guy, Mike DeDino and Phil Dixon. Macedonia, Bill. Talk about Knicks and Rangers owner James
4: Dolan. How likely do you think it is that James Dolan pulls the trigger after all this time and finally sells all three? I'd probably say unlikely. What do you think? I think it's probably unlikely too. I mean, the guy is one of the most stubborn owners in all of sports. Why would he sell it? Money. It's a lot of money. And who would be the front runner to buy it? That's the thing. It's such an unexplainable amount of money. He's trying to. Apparently, it's going to go for around fifteen billion combined for the whole package. There's so few people on earth who have $15 billion, let alone people who are going to actually spend that much on sports stuff. I don't think it's very likely.
0: This is Sid on Sports. Oh my Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77
2: WABC. Yeah, you heard me just say it to Joe Nolan for the second consecutive night. The Yankees beat the Mets identical score of four to two, so they played four games over the regular season. The Mets, when the Yankees were the best team in baseball, they won twice in Queens. And now the Yankees, when the Mets were red hot and the Yankees were ice cold, they win two in the Bronx and for the second consecutive night, Aaron Judge goes yard for the Yanks. That one's
0: driven deep to left field. There's a flight. See ya. A long home run for Judge.
2: one nothing Yankees. That's Michael Kay. Yes, Network on the call. Bennett Tendi had a big hit. Frankie Montas pitched well. And again, the Yankees win 4-2. 48 home runs for Aaron Judge. He's one behind Roger Maris at this point in 1961. The Yankees with the win. Eight up on Tampa Bay. Eight and a half up on Toronto. The Mets are in trouble here. Atlanta won again last night. The Met lead is down to just two. Inside the NL East, the Yankees start a four-game set with the A's tomorrow. That's on the road. The Mets will play four against Colorado in Queens. That also starts tomorrow. And, of course, Sunday night, week three, NFL preseason, the 2-0 football Giants at the 2-0 football Jets. Right now, the Jets or a three-point favorite in that Sunday night matchup. Sports brought to you by the great Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Check them out today and every day. PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com. They do build America's best boilers. Republican gubernatorial hopeful Lee Zeldin comes your way at 740. With sports, I'm Sid.
7: I want to rock!
2: Ernie and Sid in the morning. Whoa! On
0: the Red Apple Podcast Network.
2: tonight, Andrew Giuliani just said, I like it when you play the music and you play it for as long as you do. And I said to Andrew, I said, you wouldn't believe how many fights I've had over the years with program directors and all these folks that think they know more about radio than I do. It's great. You play to the first course. You engage the emotions right here. You know, it's wonderful. It's Thank wonderful. you for saying that. Miranda yeah. Devine said the same thing. In two days, Louis Rapino, who plays a lot of this music, Miranda Devine and Andrew Giuliani, Talking about the musical selection, how long we play the music, how much they like it. So I guess um, I guess we are not completely crazy, right?
1: Don't y- be fighting today. No fighting. <laughs> no and,
3: you fight. know, as a guest, I think because you're building up the anticipation, you're waiting on the line, you're waiting to come on in, I think it makes you better as a guest because the anticipation is coming in there, so... <laughs> Uh, that's what I felt every time I've called in. Okay,
4: let's save that for the argument, Andrew. Andrew just said, we'll just play it. So back. good.
3: How much money do <laughs> you want for today's show? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Folks, I am proudly supporting the Tunnel to Towers 5K Walk Run New York City this year. That comes up on Sunday, September the 25th, and we need your help. Help us remember those lost on 9-11. Unbelievable. 21 years already coming up as we retrace FDNY firefighter Stephen Siller's final footsteps together. Frank, his brother, is an amazing guy. I'd really appreciate you to donate today to my team. It's simple. It's the Tunnel to Towers Foundation Bernie and Sid team. Here's how you do it. Go to wabcradio.com slash walk. Click on my photo, and you'll donate to my team, the Bernie and Sid team, as we try to raise more money than anybody else. Here at WBC, especially Greg Kelly. That son you gotta of a be bitch. You've got to beat him. Gotta thank be. you. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you for your support as together we help America's heroes. One of the largest walks in New York City for a great cause. wabcradio.com. walk. It's funny you say, you got to beat Greg Kelly. I love <laughs> Greg. Greg is a, he's a great personality. He's awesome. He's great, both on TV and radio. And um, he's been doing this a very long time. But I did this walk with him last year. Now, I keep myself in very good shape. In fact, shirtless, I look much better than Greg Kelly. It's not even close. (laughs) Not even close. And he'll say to me, he's had me on the show before. What do you do when you work out? How do you look like that? Who makes your clothing? He cares, you know. And um, so we show up at this event. It's a Sunday morning. I'm exhausted. And all I want to do is finish, right? I'm there really just to lend my support to the folks. Kelly shows up. Like this is it, like he like he 's going to be on TV running a marathon, and he 's going on and on about it he 's got to beat me and i 'm like greg i don 't care now he beat me, and look clearly he 's a good athlete right he went, he served our country. You don't go serve in Iraq or Afghanistan
3: yeah. like Lee Zelton without being in decent shape, but that's all he cared about. I couldn't care less, Andrew. Was he working the lowers, maybe? you got to work yeah. a little more lowers? Is that what it is there? I know we <laughs> talked about this last week, but you know, it's the athletes, right? It's it's all it's all in the ass. It's all on your legs right it's there. It's true. If you want to drive through that final K of the 5K it's right there, you know you got to have something up there. I mean, you're, you're looking a little top-heavy. You look great. No. I mean, you look you're beautiful. Right. Right. Right here, Sid. You're right. But a little bit top-heavy, so maybe that's it. Maybe uh, you got to go focus on the Lowers here in this last month before I'm 5K. very top heavy. Yeah. Not a little top heavy.
2: <laughs> I have nice legs. They're tan. They're a little hairy. But they're sticks compared to my, my, my <laughs> upper body. You're right. And you know that because for folks that don't know this, Andrew Giuliani is a tremendous athlete. And at one point, Uh, Some people thought he may be the next Tiger Woods. (laughs) No, I mean you play golf at Duke. You're a big time golfer. Are you any good anymore? Not
3: really. Yeah, you know, every once in a while I I play a little bit. But uh, no. Did you play at Bedminster with Donald Trump last week? Not last week, but I did see him last week out there, and we've played a bunch of times and had the opportunity to do that. Look, I used to be good. I had a couple of, couple of close calls with the PGA Tour and European Tour and all wow. that. But uh, but yeah, look, just just like all that, right? I mean, so much of that is mental, and, and there's yeah. so much so much with, we can relate to with politics, with other sports, right? There, staying in the moment, making yeah. sure you're focused in uh, on what you're doing right now, and and uh, and in, in looking at obviously what we're talking about here with with the incredible tunnel of towers. And I actually just spoke to Frank Siller yesterday. What an incredible guy. We were talking about how uh, it's amazing they took this tragedy that Mm. obviously we are so – uh, so close to, sadly, so close to, but specifically with Steven Siller. And you think about what they've done for his legacy. It's, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's tr- truly, truly yeah. amazing right there. But, yeah. yeah, you know, I think I think maybe it's the next month. You know, you got to stretch those lowers. you got to work them out. <laughs> I mean, I'm just getting to the point in your book, Sid, where I'm getting the workout advice right now, right? I mean, you got to make sure you're doing the cardio. you got to do the weightlifting and the supplements. So I've got to hear a little bit. About the supplements. I don't want to no, ruin too much reading. about the book, but no, it's spectacular. Yeah. I loved you. reading the book, Thank and Grace has loved chewing
2: on the book. So. <laughs> you, you sent me a picture of your beautiful little girl Grace with the book a couple of days ago. And there's a guy named Peter Gordio. He's a very good actor, very good. And he's in the show Gravesend with me. In fact, season two is set to come out sometime in November or December, probably Netflix. We'll find out more in the next couple of weeks. But he gives me all my workout tips, uh, Joe Tacopino, me, all under the guide of Peter Gordio. But, again, you don't need it. You you know, you almost uh, play golf professionally. But what you're doing, Andrew, is you are lending to the
3: stereotype. I mean, white privilege. Giuliani (laughs) playing golf. I mean, come on. And going to Duke. And Uh, going to Duke, a Yankee fan, right? I mean, all all the above right
7: here. You know? know, it's
2: funny. You mentioned going to Duke. So you've met Danielle. Yeah. She lived in Charlotte, North Carolina for 15 years. But she was a Tar Heel fan. Yeah. So they used to do a chant at North Carolina. It went like this. Wake is fake. Duke is puke, but the team we hate is NC State. Go (laughs) Tar Heels!
3: You ever hear that? You know, at Duke, they used to, whenever we play NC State, they used to go around and they'd have the three parts of the student section. You'd have one that said, big high school. Big high school. Big high school. It was was always fun going to those games. I mean, just absolutely amazing. Look, whether or not you're a basketball fan or not, if you're a sports fan, even if you're just a fan of seeing incredible things in culture, Going to a Duke, a big Duke game down in Cameron, there's nothing like it right there. But just in North Carolina, Duke is hated by probably 90% of North Carolina, except if you have a direct connection to Duke, just like they are across the country. Right. The, the, the Tar Heels
2: are the team that people oh, yeah. love in, in North Carolina. So when you were there, it was Shashevsky and Dean
3: Smith? Oh, yeah. no, Shashevsky and Roy Williams. S- Smith had retired. Williams was the coach. and It was the years that J.J. Uh, Redick were there. You nice. had Tyler Hansborough in North Carolina with, so, you know, taking two out and all that stuff. Awesome. It was fun years. Oh, those that is a uh, – I'm jealous. Yeah. Uh, those, are,
2: those are great games at, and great times. Have you been down to a game at Cameron Indoor? Never. you got to do that. And I like, and like Duke. Yeah? I like Duke. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm even a Mark Allery fan. Yeah. F- forget about, you know, Christian or Forget yeah. about Grant Hill. Yeah. I mean, I, I followed those teams for 30 years. Yeah. So I'd love to do something like that. I really would. You know, you mentioned uh, the nine eleven stuff, though, and, and uh, certainly you were a little boy when all that happened, and that's when your father became not just the mayor of New York City, but America's mayor. And and listen, to this day, they can call him a Russian spy. They can put him in front of a grand jury in Georgia. They can say all the horrible things they want. But for folks like me who had to live through that tragic period, there will never be a greater hero than your father, Rudy Giuliani.
3: When you were a little boy and he was going to these funerals day in and day out and all this was happening, what were you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I was a freshman in high school. I remember... All right, third or fourth day in high school when it was September 11th. And it was a very... Bizarre feeling, but I I knew he was okay. I knew he was down there, but I knew he was okay the entire day. How did you? Because people died next to him. I don't know. Father Judge died right next to him. Not only died next to him, but actually when the first tower went down, he was in World Trade Center 7, the building right next to which fell down later in the day. Uh, And he went down through the basement, and they were going to go out a door that actually would have led them by the second tower there. Instead, they had a janitor that said, go out the back door, go out this way. So they get him out. The other tower Comes out three minutes later. I mean, he very well could have been crushed by all that. Uh, so it was a very bizarre feeling. But you know, when you saw him going to six, eight, ten funerals a day, to, to to be honest, this is this is what he did. As mayor, for the first seven and a half years, any time there was a police officer shot, any time there was a firefighter burned, he made sure that he was there in the hospital because he felt like that police officer, that firefighter, were going to have the best care, right? I mean, they ended up having some tough negotiations. I know that there's some police officers still remember that back in the 90s with those tough negotiations that he ended up having with the unions, but he loved his police. He loved his firefighters, uh, and he still does. You know what struck me when we had
2: dinner at Michaels and I'll have a book signing coming up at Michaels this Saturday noon to 3 me By and the way, day, you know. got to read
4: this
3: i'm only 50 pages in it is spectacular Thank you, you. you get a little bit of everything you get some entertainment you're getting some sports there's no doubt i've already learned about your uh, high school, your, your, sorry, your your Wee prowess yes. as a running back right yes. there, and your moves over here. So, I mean, <laughs> y- you're getting everything with Citizens. you, you, you got
2: to read this. You thing. really are reading the book. Thank you for that. That means a lot to me. Thank you. But what struck me at dinner that night was we always hear about Rudy Giuliani and Andrew Giuliani, and you guys are very, very close, like I was with my dad, who I lost two years ago. But at dinner, three or four times, you mentioned your mom. Yeah. And no one ever hears really
3: much about Andrew Giuliani and his mom. But you're also very close to your mother. Oh, very yeah. close. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny. She she still is a journalist. I mean, she's been in journalism now for almost 50 years. I was going to say yeah. one, one of the coolest things, actually, on the campaign trail. The first month I ended up going up to Utica and they have a station up there, KTV, a TV station. Uh I end up walking in and I see a young Donna Hanover at 23 years old, an old picture of her behind the anchor desk right there. And it was one of those things where you, you feel like everybody always obviously talks about the, you know, America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani. Uh, but my mother's just one of those incredible people who, uh, you know, some New Yorkers might know from seeing her on Pix and seeing sure, her sure. on Fox 5. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, somebody who is, uh, she was watching Grace yesterday and, and is spending a ton of time with her granddaughter and somebody who uh, I, I, I just, uh, you know, love with all my heart. And the other uh, thing I found out that night was you've got a sister, which I didn't know about, and uh, she
2: doesn't necessarily agree with you and your dad on all of the (laughs) politics. I've got a daughter like that, by the way. And I I love Ava to pieces, but we we go at it really hard time and time again. But you're close with your
3: sister, too, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it was just her birthday two days ago, as a matter of fact. How old is your sister? She is a couple years younger than me. She's 33 years old. Um, You know, look, I I think it's one of those things so many families, certainly over the last couple of years, uh, have seen uh, politically divided, right? You've seen this, left, and right. And it's it's gotten so much more, I would say in some ways, uh, vicious from a political perspective. But that's why it's so important to make sure you're staying close. You're talking about things that actually bring you closer together. Right? Right. We have a, a unique shared experience both growing up uh, with the father and mother that we had in that situation, and obviously she's somebody that I think it's so important that that Grace has in her life, even of though course. we live on different coasts. She, like you, is involved in the movie business over here. She actually has directed some short films, uh, so she's somebody who, uh, you know. Oh, she's out in L.A. She's out a in Hollywood LA. girl. She's right. out in L.A.
2: So, you know, you talk about the differences in political opinions to okay. keep your families together. And people keep asking me as if I know. You would know. You're close with this guy. President Trump. Mm-hmm. Andrew Giuliani. What's really going on with his daughter? Uh, people think that he was really aggravated when she testified January 6th, and really wasn't very nice to her father. There's been some other rumors lately that they're really not getting along. Is there any real that you
3: know about, maybe right. you don't. Any real rift between Ivanka and Donald? Not that I know about look, I saw her out at Bedminster a couple of weeks ago, uh, not this last year, a couple of weeks ago. I know that she was out there for the golf tournament that he ended up having out there. So look, I you mean, mean the live one, the live tournament. yeah, yeah for the live golf tournament was out there <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. there's a whole nother story right there we can we can get into but uh but yeah look i i'm not sure i know jared's been out there jared's book obviously has been making headlines uh but uh i can tell you in in having spent the four years there and both her and jared spending four years there they were a big part of some of the major accomplishments that happened during the trump administration oh, so it's, many it's, times especially the middle east uh, uh, the middle east jared especially look think about this right Peace in the Middle East was a punchline before Trump, right? It was a punchline. we're going to get peace in the Middle East. Ah, but I'm (laughs) bumping. And then all of a sudden you have these five deals, Bahrain, UAE, with actually Israel. It was absolutely incredible. I spoke to David Friedman, who was the ambassador to Israel. Long Island guy, right? Yeah, absolutely. Long Island guy. And I asked him this in the summer of 2020. And I said, how many more deals would you make if you had four more years? And he said, Andrew, we don't need four more years. We need one more year. Wow. One more year. Unfortunately, we're taking steps back. Oh, man, uh, but, way back. But that that's thats why we're looking forward to 2024.
2: That's right. <laughs> oh, listen, that was a great hour right there. Andrew Giuliani, just a little taste and appetizer of what's to come over the next three hours with guests like Peter King, Lee Zeldin, maybe Kimberly Gilfoyle, Rudy Giuliani, a host of others. This is the Wednesday edition of Bernie and Sid. I did hear from Carol McGurk earlier this morning once again. We all want to send a shout out to Dr. Josh Smith at uh, Sloan Kettering for literally saving Bernie's life when his appendix burst last Thursday night. Thank you, Dr. Smith. We love Bernie. We miss Bernie. But Andrew Giuliani is doing a tremendous job today, and we're just getting started. Andrew and Sid will be right back with our number two right after this.
8: and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
5: Have you heard about the lonesome loser Beaten by the queen of hearts every time Have you heard about the lonesome loser He's a loser, but he still
2: keeps on trying. Little River Band, great song. Also Australian, so Miranda Devine, I know you're listening. This one goes out to you. I just got the Yankees text from my beautiful wife, Danielle. She fell asleep before the end of the game. She's a big Yankee fan. And my son, if you go to my Instagram right now, at rosenberg.sydney, At Rosenberg.Sydney. Real nice picture of my son. He's so handsome, Gabriel. Watching the Yankee game after a great dinner that Danielle made last night. Chicken, cutlets, and rice. It was great. And um, so they're both Yankee fans. So they usually text me after a big Yankee win the next morning. I got the Danielle text. Haven't gotten the Gabe text yet. I'm like, Danielle, I'm trying to do a show here. You know I'm a diehard Met fan. Be nice to me until 10 o'clock. And she wrote back again, all Capitals...
3: Yankees. Yeah. Should I send you a text? I know we're sitting right across from
2: each other. But
7: the
3: young guys that are our age, they text each other even when we're in the same room. It's not that weird. That's weird. It, it's actually a little younger than us, but that's bizarre. Yeah, I, it is bizarre, yeah. But I'll make sure. I'll make an exception and send you a text.
2: <laughs> well, you're a diehard Yankee fan, too. so
3: Yeah, you know, it's uh, I, I got it from all my Met fans, friends a couple of weeks ago. when right. They ended up sweeping us. Two days in a row, the Yankees were on top of the world. And ever since. The Yankees have been on uh, hit the skids. So to win three in a row, starting with Paul O'Neill Day, who, by the way, is one of my Yankee heroes. I absolutely love them. I think about the 1997 playoffs, even though the Yankees didn't do it, playing on a broken leg, yeah. making that, you know, sliding into second base. One of those guys. I think whether or not you're a Met fan, whoever you like, you can appreciate a guy like Paul O'Neill. But then to go and win the Subway Series back at Yankee Stadium looks it, we may be seeing a Yankee Met. October oh, I Classic. Hope so. I I mean, I mean, that mean would be look,
2: beautiful. I, I know this, that 2000 Met team, no disrespect to Mike Piazza, Eduardo Alfonso, I guess it was uh, Mike Hampton, Al Leiter. Yeah. That team not nearly as good as this club. Yeah. And we were not very competitive in that World Series. We blew game one. We had to beat the Bronx, yeah. Timo Perez, Armando Benitez. I think this time around will be much different. And to your point, I got a text from Rich Lowry. At uh, 10.42 last night, he knows I'm asleep. He doesn't care. From the National Review, you know which, Larry, Andrew. (laughs) He says, weird that Mets won two when Yankees were the better team, and now Yankees win two when the Mets are the better team. Oh, here's Harry Mays, my buddy in Philadelphia. The Phillies, they beat the Reds last night. They're still involved in a wild-card race. But, yeah, we made very well. Have another Met-Yankee World Series. And I think the first time I met your father, believe it or not, was the Yankees had just lost the World Series. Joe Parisi is a big Yankee fan too, Mr. Guestides. They had just lost the World Series to Arizona. And I was very friendly at the time with a guy named Ross Greenberg, who I know you know, from HBO. And HBO made this incredible documentary, Nine Innings from Ground Zero. That's spectacular. Wasn't that great? Really good. And it was the story of the Yankee Diamondback World Series at a time after 9-11. They, they showed... You know, guys with guns outside the stadium, metal detectors. All this was new to us. People in the stands crying. And the Yankees, of course, lost that one. But uh, this documentary, they showed live at the Museum of Natural History. Some museum. Yeah. And all the Sopranos cast members were there. All the big Yankee bands who lived in New York. And I was at the fan at the time, so I was there.
3: And it was hosted by your father. Yeah. He well, hosted that event. Well, look, I I, well, I actually got to cut in. I got to ask you a question here, Sid. Now, I got to figure out if you have a heart or not. Okay. Uh, I know you that. root against the Yankees all the time. But yes. in 2001, once the Mets were eliminated from the playoffs, were you rooting for the New York Yankees to win the World Series in 2001? Hard.
1: hard. Hard. Yeah. It's in fact, hard. I was at a giant okay. cowboy okay. game. So have,
2: okay.
3: I have a heart. Uh, okay. Sunday,
2: <laughs> the Giants were playing Dallas. Yeah. And I'm a diehard Giant fan, like yeah. you are. Season tickets. And the Yankees were playing Arizona that night. And I left the Giant Cowboy game early because I wanted to see the Yankees when Soriano hit the early home run. They lost that game. But I absolutely, 1,000%, just like the rest of America.
3: I think everybody was a Yankee fan that time. It was pretty amazing. And it just there was something about, and I got the opportunity to go to a few of those playoff games and World Series games. There was something about the feeling in that stadium. 15 years old. Wow! But there was something about the feeling in that stadium that it, it was... People collectively whose, obviously, hearts were broken, who had this feeling of emotion that never felt before, where after a little bit they finally could just be together. It almost didn't matter what was going on on the field. It was the fact that people, through... Baseball, we're actually grieving together by looking at each other, being able to high-five, do all that. Yeah, uh, And it's, it's one of those feelings I don't know if we'll ever feel again because of those unique circumstances. It truly
2: was, was unbelievable. Yeah. I had John Franco on this show yesterday, Yeah, and I talked about the Mike Piazza home run, and John Franco lost about 200 friends that day. Mm-hmm. No exaggeration. I know the Yankees won the World Series, but the Mets, they really dove in. Yeah. Bobby Valentine, Shea Stadium at the time yeah. was a triage. And uh, Franco was really the face of 9/11. Yeah. And, of course, for 21 years, right around the corner. We talked about that yesterday. So as crazy as it was being at a Yankee Diamondback World Series game back then, I think you'd have to agree, no disrespect to Joe
3: Torrey and the Yankees, it was the Mets yeah. who became the real 9-11 team in this city. Well, I, I would say this. That Piazza home run was one of those things that uh, oh. you, you had to just love. I, I've played a lot of golf, actually, with John Smoltz over the years. Have you really? I have. By I, the way, you, you already, in 79 minutes... Drop more names than I do, and I'm the worst. I'm worse than Pat O'Brien. Have, have you're I right already? there with me. Well, you're rubbing off on me. That's a problem <laughs> right there. So that's a that's a problem I have to talk to my wife about after this, Sid. But Smoltz said specifically about that, and I'll drop another name, even though I don't know him. He said that after that game, Bobby Cox brought the team in the dugout, in, in, the, in the locker room, in the clubhouse, and he said, the team that was supposed to win tonight won that game. And you know how much the Braves and Mets hated each other yes. at that point, right? The ninety nine, two thousand seasons seasons, right? They hated each other. In two thousand and one, Bobby Cott said the team that needed to win that game won that game. That's That's a that good first story. game that Piazza hit it right there. That's a and, good story. And he said it was it was one of the only times after a loss where everybody in that in that locker room, in that clubhouse, felt good. Wow. It's pretty pretty amazing. That is pretty amazing. Yeah. Greg Maddox almost on the York Yankee. He didn't want to move here. seen yeah. like Mussina. They convinced. They couldn't convince uh, Greg Maddox. You know what? What Steinbrenner used to do is he would have my father. He'd have Mayor Giuliani actually call these big free agents and say, "Hey, you can. You know, well, you don't want to live in the city because you have two or three kids. You can live in this part. You can live in Westchester. You can go here." He would actually wow. have my father make the pitch to some of these big free agents there. Uh, I don't know if the Wilpons ever asked my father to do that, no. but my father was certainly happy to oblige yeah. any time that Steinbrenner said you got to give Musina a call. He well, talked to Musina, talked to Giambi about that. For yeah.
2: all the uh, times I compliment your father, and I think you know I'm being sincere. <laughs> I love your father. Mussina um, moved to Jersey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: hey, anything that was going to get him pitching on the mound, right. he could have lived in Pennsylvania, where he's from. <laughs> right. He could have lived in Connecticut. He wanted him pitching in the Bronx every fifth day. No, I know your father, because <laughs> when
2: I walked through the the halls of the suites yeah. at Yankee Stadium, we were there a couple of weeks ago, me and Danielle, and we sat in one of the suites, and we have all these beautiful pictures in the hallway. You know how it is. And a lot of those pictures is your dad yeah. sitting at the parades when the Yankees won the World Series, right there with Brian Cashman, George Steinbrenner. So I know what a, what a vital part your father did in
3: attracting potential free agents, mm-hmm. which back then, they got they got them all. Basically, outside of Greg Maddox, they got them all. Well, Sid, you know, I met my wife actually at Yankee Stadium at Jeter's last game. That really is the honest Amazing. truth. People don't believe me when I say it. But my father, during my wedding, when he gave his speech, he said, you know, I raised him to be a, a good Republican. You know, his sister's not, but that's okay. I still love him just as much right there. It's great. I raised him to be a, a, a good a good Catholic. But the world knows my indiscretions. I've had some indiscretions there, right? I'm not a perfect Catholic. Uh, but the one thing I would have disowned him on is if he was not a New York. Yankee fan. And he met his wife at Yankee Stadium, so I feel responsible for this union. And that it's is, true. He actually brought me home speech. at three days old with a Yankee hat and a big yeah. old Yankee jersey instead yeah. of a blanket. So I was indoctrinated very young. So who was uh, was Randy Levine at your wedding? Was uh, Randy was. Uh, Randy's, uh, you know, known Randy for, geez. Randy actually met his wife, uh, Mindy, on the 1989 campaign, the first campaign that my father ran against Dinkins that, that he lost. Before he ran ran again in one thousand nine hundred and ninety three so they 've known each other for uh, for thirty three years I guess so uh, you know between the Yankees and between the Giuliani campaigns, uh, who knows if there 's any love that came of the Giuliani gubernatorial campaign Funny. in in two thousand and twenty two but uh, there 's a whole lot of love for New York there all right, talking about uh, New York later on this afternoon, I have to travel far
2: in New York. So i uh, have got this event coming up, which I know you were invited to, That's going to be a great
1: day, by the way.
3: I've looked at the guest list on that. Amazing. Right, Aside from Sid Rosen, Don, <laughs> Don Trump Jr., you're looking at uh, Kimberly Guilford, LT. Uh, I still call him the greatest football player of all time. Oh, yes. the greatest defensive, but the greatest football Couldn't player Couldn't agree more. Most people will say Jim Brown. Yeah. Some will say
2: Tom Brady now. But I think you're right. LT was the most dominant player yeah. of all time. Uh, there'll be uh, five people speaking today. It'll be Donald Trump Jr., Kimberly Guilfoyle, Lee Zeldin, former Commissioner Ray Kelly, talking about Greg and me. LT's not going to speak. So uh, my, my driver, Freddie, uh, Ricky Willis, who drives me to work every morning from Queens, is going to come back to my house this afternoon, and I'm trying to figure out for a 4 o'clock arrival, does he pick me up at 2.30, 3 o'clock? So I just sent him the address. Now, you said to me earlier this morning, before the show even started, you go, that place is far.
3: It's a ride. I, th- I thought it was like Garden City. It's a ride for you out there. You said 55 miles. Yeah. In it's... the middle of the afternoon in New York City, that could take four hours. Nissaquag. I think you're out by Smithtown out there and even maybe a little further east than that. So you got to take your time out there. Make sure you well, get on out there. Well, let me ask you this. If you,
2: yeah. if you, you know where I live, yeah. Queens. Uh, to get to there and try to get there by 4.15, 2.30 is good enough or no? You than guys, than
3: two hours? I think, I think this is a question for Joe Nolan to be <laughs> I don't know if this is a question for me, so we've got to bring Joe back for that. You're right. Actually. We're going to ask Joe Nolan. That is a very, very good point. It is a far ride, though. Yeah, it, it is. It's a ride for you right there. But you'll aye, have aye, your aye. beautiful wife. You're going to be going in style. You'll be feeling good. You'll be rehearsing everything right there. It's going to be a nice ride for you right there. Is it? Is it going to be one of those uh, One of those where you could put the shades up in the back right there? I'm just curious in terms of what the situation <laughs> is. Or are you guys going to be conversing the entire time? We've with done
2: Gary? that before, just okay, so you, well, know. That's, you know. But the problem is, is that she's not coming. Oh, she's not coming.
3: So she, you're going solo. She's
2: got a real job, Andrew. So she's a lawyer. She's going to be in court today. She's got 90 clients. <laughs> she can't just leave at 2 o'clock in the afternoon because I'm hanging out with Kimberly Gilpoil and Donald Trump Jr. So it's
3: just going to be you. Well, this is going to be a little little worse than I thought it was going to <laughs> oh, be before. Well, thank right you for that. Now. That's great. <laughs> well,
2: I was hoping you were going to be there, but you also screwed me today. I, you know, I You've know, you got nothing to m- do. Maybe he didn't
3: screw you in the way that Danielle you later, <laughs> but you know. Well, what are you
2: doing, there That you can't make this?
3: Nothing. You know, I, I got—I've got my little Grace. I—I I, I right. told my wife she also has a real job that actually is putting food on the table for the Giuliani family over here. So right. I got to make sure I, I spend a little time with my baby girl. But I've—I've I've actually gone on the stump about a half dozen times so far with Congressman Zeldin. I know he's going to be coming up here at seven forty. Uh, but it's been it's been great after what was a heated primary, and you got to see a lot of that yes, there. Sid. Yes, yes. Uh, look, we've been we, we've been friends for. Almost 10 years now. And, yeah. and and one of the things I told Lee very early on in the race uh, was, hey, look, this is going to get a little bloody, yeah. but we're going to be fighting for Not, the city. We're going to be fighting for the state for the next 50 years together. He likes you. I nice. don't think he likes Ashton and Wilson very much, but I well, do think he likes you. Well, I yeah. know Rob has gone out and done a couple of events with him in Westchester yes. as well. Yeah. So, look, yeah. you know, it was, it was one of those things where we uh, obviously are all competitive. We want to be that person who moves on, as we saw yesterday. In, in primary day, you saw how... Nasty. I mean, far nastier than anything that we ended up saying. Oh yeah, that and that that, that Maloney Nadler race. Maloney was calling him C Now Maloney's actually probably right. I don't normally agree with much of Maloney, I know, said, but but, but Maloney to was point, right. point, too. They've been friends for thirty years. Yeah. Yeah, they came into Congress same year, 1992 together, 30 years, sir, 15 terms together. And to devolve into that right there was – actually, I was pretty surprised by that.
2: It shows you that even uh, with the best intentions, things get very heated. You can't can't stop it. I will say this, though, and then we'll get to a break here because we've got Bill O'Reilly Morning Message and uh, Lee Zeldin coming up. When I met you, for example, that one morning, Saturday morning, I got flip-flops, I got shorts, I got a sh- T-shirt on. I'm on 129th Street, 95 degrees, brutal. Andrew's wearing a blue you know, button-down shirt. He's sweating like Kareem at the Boston Garden. And, and, and your, your guy that runs your operation has you walking into stores. Now, it's Saturday morning. A lot of these stores won't even open yet. But you got to walk into a pharmacy. you got to walk into a restaurant. you got to walk into a card store and be like, hey, I'm Andrew Julian. And it takes a lot of work. I mean, you're a very personable guy anyway and a really sweet guy. You really are. You. But to have to do that day in and day out, go to strange cities and strange places and act as if you love everybody and they're all your
3: best friend, it really takes a lot of, A, phoniness, and B, it's a lot of hard work. You know, I got to tell you, actually, to, to me, and maybe this is just being around it since I was three years old. I mean, you think I've probably been involved in six, seven campaigns now at this point. Talking to people is the thing that I love most about campaigns. I believe that. that's That's genuine. That really that. is the truth. Yeah, yeah. So that, that stuff, believe it or not, that's something that really does interest me. You know, it's not every single conversation where, uh, you know, I was with, with, my, with my daughter or my wife a couple of weeks back, and some. Somebody wanted to give me their top 25 policy points, and I said, look, I've got, I've got less than 90 minutes. Give it to me in 90 seconds over here. So there are definitely times where you want to spend time with your family, and you don't want to go into an hour-long speech about this or that. But it certainly is one of those things that uh, that I love most about politics, is being able to interact with people. And you look at you know the worst, Andrew Cuomo. That was one of the things he never did. He never ended up talking to people. He kept himself completely uh, cut off from the 19.5 million New Yorkers, and to me, it's the most important part yeah. about politics. You got to make sure you're getting on the ground, you're talking to people, because that's where you're going to get it real. And in New York, you know, Sid, you're going to get it real.
2: But he got to keep the five billion for the bulk. <laughs> know,
3: that's pretty wild. <laughs> that's pretty wild. An unbeliever. Now well, I kept telling Bernie. Bernie's like, they're going to take the-. I go, They're not going to do anything. Nothing. I, uh, what, was it part of the deal? You think that was part of the deal to get him to step down? They were going to say, you can keep your money, step no, down, and this. No. 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 no I, th- I think at that point, it was not about the book, about the money.
2: I think he was probably scared to death back then. Yeah. But now, oh, he'll get right back into this. Yeah. I mean, look, he, he gets to keep the money. He hasn't, he's not going to jail. I mean, what's really happened other
3: than a humiliating, he left office in humiliating fashion. But time heals some of that. What's your take on it? Do you think in 24, he's going to run against Gillibrand for for the Senate, you think he's waiting for 26 to run for governor again? What do you think?
2: I think 24. He yeah, wants against Brand's Gillibrand. a weak candidate. Yeah. She's been yeah.
3: absolutely nowhere. You don't see her anywhere. Nowhere. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, you might be right. Yeah, I don't right. like
2: her very much at yeah. all. Nor uh, Seeing her outside some uh, Troy, New York, for example. You've been to these places. Mm-hmm. My God, Lee Zeldin. I mean, just having to go to Troy and Utica and Binghamton and Rochester and Syracuse and Montes. Mm-hmm. I mean... If you think New York is rough in the city, you should see some of these other cities. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Bill O'Reilly's morning message coming up next. And then, the savior for New York. The guy that actually beat Andrew Giuliani, despite a great campaign and a very nice finish by Andrew Lee Zeldin. He's coming up at 740, two or three big names after that. Some surprises as well. This is the Wednesday edition of Bernie and Sid with Andrew Giuliani and me, Sid, only right here on Talk Radio 77, WABC. He lost his head and he got
5: he his heart
7: away. He still keeps searching, oh, there's nothing left.
8: Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Wednesday, one of my favorite sayings is people believe what they want to believe. Often facts and reality have little to do with beliefs. For example, I believe in God because I think that's a positive thing. Christianity clearly defines human behavior, and if you do good, you are rewarded eternally. That sounds like a positive motivator for the planet, so I'm on board. I want to believe. In politics, it's similar. Conservatives versus liberals. Republicans versus Democrats. People believe certain things they think are best for them and the country. So they vote that way. Sometimes logic and problem solving have nothing to do with it. Recently, I read an interview with economist Lawrence Summers, the former president of Harvard. He is a driving force behind President Biden's attempt to make a comeback. Mr. Summers believes Biden is competent and is helping him. But the president is not competent. The country is a mess. So why would a very smart guy like Summers believe otherwise? Well, maybe it's because he's liberal and doesn't want to devour his own. But there could be another reason. Dangerous outcomes. Summers sees the rise in populism, read Donald Trump. As far more injurious than incompetence. And he himself uses the phrase dangerous outcomes. I dissent. I want good governance. Policies that strengthen the nation. Not scared of Trump. He promoted prosperity. So Summers and I disagree. That's fine. That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis later on. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable
0: is throwing your beer can on the subway track. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
2: <laughs> Little Jim Blossom for you. Good tune. This place is like two hours away. It's like in Stony Brook. Lee <laughs> Zeldin... Good thing I love Lee Zeldin, my God. I do love him. You know, it was, uh, I've been very close with Lee for years, and then you came along, and then I started sleeping with you and cheating on <laughs> Lee. And, and it was bad because I was worried Lee was not going to be, be mad at me. So when the election was over and uh, he won, I was uh, I, I kind of tested the waters because I think he was oblivious to you and I getting close because right. he would text me and be like, hey, Sid, make sure that people are voting. Like, okay. And um, I'd be like, I guess he's not listening. And uh, <laughs> so right after the election, I sent him a text just to kind of test the waters, you know. And uh, it was great. Yeah. And uh, he's invited me to all these events, which, he, of course, he invited you to and other famous people. And um, he, he, he does kind of lean on me, like you did, too. Yeah. Why is that? Why do you, you folks that uh, are like big-time politicians, why do you think that...
3: That a person like me, for example, a dopey radio host, would would help you. What, what is
2: what are you thinking in,
7: in that? Well, deal?
3: I got to tell you, whenever I would go on the campaign trail, especially around the New York City area, I heard so many times. I heard you on Bernie and Sid this day. I, yeah. mean, I can't tell you. So, I mean, you guys have an amazing, amazing following. And I think that's one. Look, you see it when you're when you have people calling in and hearing that, but when you're on the ground every single day, you really see actually the reach that you guys have.
2: Yeah, it's so, impressive.
3: So it, yeah. it is, it really yeah, is. And it's is. great, you know, and, and that's one of the things. The show, I mean, it, it it strikes you're not just talking politics. We're getting some sports. We're getting some entertainment value, some nice music over here, right? Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's a, it's a great way to start well, your day. Thank you.
7: Thank it's you. It. It's true.
3: I actually took a lot of the stuff I did in Florida. Mm-hmm. You read this in the book. Yeah. You told me that. Yeah. And
2: I employed it here. But yeah. I mean like, listen, IMS has done it, Stern has done it. That's what I want this show to be. I don't want this show to be Fox News. I don't want it to be just Bernie and going back and forth with me about uh, Adams. And so so I I do make sure, and and a lot of that responsibility is on me, to add that other stuff you're talking about, which rounds it out into an enjoyable experience, even though Bernie and I, and you and I today, discuss some very serious topics that are very, very opinionated. But do you remember exactly where you were and what you were doing when you became Andrew Giuliani and not...
3: Rudy's son. Uh, No, I don't. I what mean, do you mean? And, when you were governor, you, you <laughs> were Andrew, right? Well, you still Rudy son. still. Look, I, I think in some places, right, you, you, know, you always in some ways get described that way when you're talking about somebody who is, uh, I mean, you know, literally America's mayor, somebody who had that. I mean, this guy was knighted by the queen over here, literally was knighted <laughs> by the queen of England, yeah. right? There are some people that are always going to look at you that way. They always look back. They see the Farley skits and all that. Uh, But for me, I, look, I, I think obviously the debates ended up helping where you can get up there and people say, hey, look, this is not, you know, just his father who's basically doing this is somebody who's actually got to stand up yeah. on his own two feet. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, you know, I think in some people's eyes, that'll probably never end up happening. In other people's eyes, it was, you know, years and years ago. You mentioned Chris Farley.
2: So it's, I still listen to Howard Stern. I, yeah. I, I hate his politics and all that. You know, Bernie calls him Coward Stern. And, you know, I've told you this before. I think he's the greatest of all time, and I mimic a lot of my stuff after him. So I was listening to an interview he was doing with David Spade, ironically, on Sunday, coming back with Danielle from the Crystal Springs Resort, which, by the way, is a gorgeous, gorgeous place. You and your wife would love it. And um, he was talking about Farley. They made all those movies together, you know. And I saw all those skits. And you just mentioned it first. I didn't mention it. When you were watching that or your dad or now... Did you think it was funny? Were you offended? How'd you feel about all so that? So I
3: was seven. I didn't know at the time he was doing that. But he didn't know. I, I didn't say, "Look, I didn't he's know. being you, Andrew." Look, I, I do know that Letterman wanted me to go on. That's one of the things that I know. My mother said, "No, you're not going on Letterman. You're not doing now." Why did Letterman right want
2: you to go on? Just talk about your father. Talk about the Chris Fawley bits on SNL. Why did Letterman want you? I think
3: after the inauguration, right? They wanted me to come on and they wanted me to sit there and do that. My mother said, "No, you're not. Your life is not going to be defined by this moment over here, right? It's going to be. It's going to be more to this." I don't don't want you to be a some kind of child star who's going to get all right. crazy in your head about this and that. But I got to tell you, looking back at the Farley thing, the only regret I have is that I didn't get an opportunity to meet him yeah. at some point because yeah. I would have loved to. And it's one of those moments where I just I absolutely love. You know, I'll show my kids that, and yeah. hopefully I won't show them that before they actually have to get up there and, <laughs> and interrupt my speeches. There, that's what, actually Grace during uh, the concession speech to to Lee. She ended up, uh, and, and nobody else probably heard this, but she ended up uh, kind of belting out. Almost it sounded like a song. She was like, oh, like that. And and I stopped, and I said, we have a tradition in the Giuliani household to interrupt our fathers when we're making That's important funny. speeches over well, you here. you both so did that. That's right. Yeah. You
2: did it with your father, now Grace <laughs> yeah. with you. Hey, listen, I would say this. No matter what the content was... To have a great like Chris Farley, I love Chris. Oh, yeah. I loved him. Uh, you know, portray you in any way, and as long as it wasn't, and I saw all of them. Yeah, it wasn't really, really nasty. No, a it lot was, of fun. It was, you know, but
3: not like they are now. It was, it was fun. I mean, and that's one of the things I think SNL has lost. You're right, and and we were talking about this before, right? We don't want our politics infecting our entertainment. We don't want our our politics infecting our sports over here. These are those moments and and I think that's one of the things why this show is so great. You get, you know, you're going to get some sports, you're going to yep. get some politics, you're going to get some entertainment. You get a little bit of everything over sure. here and and yeah. that's that's why it's so great. But Thank when you. I sit down and I watch the New York Giants, I don't want to start by seeing players kneeling on the sideline. It's just okay. something that I don't want. I Look, I know it's their right, but it's my right as a consumer to say, you know what? I'm not going to put my hard-earned dollars toward that product. Are you mad? At, uh, what is the name, Lewis, of that Asian actor?
2: He's very funny. He's on Community. He was in those uh, movies with uh, Mike Tyson when they went
1: to Vegas. Oh, Dr. yeah, Ken. yeah, yeah. Ken Jong.
2: Yes. Ken Jong. Uh, are you mad at him because when your father was on the masked or unmasked singer, whatever it was, he walked off the stage? I thought that was pretty lousy.
3: Yeah, look, it was a pretty lousy thing to do. I'm not a not a fan of his anymore. Obviously, as you right, can me imagine, either. right there, you would think the guy would actually stand up there and do that. And I thought his his bits in 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 the Hangover movies were funny and all that. I don't know if he's done anything good in the last ten years. To be perfectly honest, he's <sighs> oh, oh, like <laughs> he's he's living he's living off of that. But you know,
2: <laughs> I was I, I feel the same way. Yeah, I don't like him anymore. Bernard McGurk.
0: Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning. and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Whoa.
2: Ready to go. This is really a question for my driver, Freddie, because I had no idea when Lee Zeldin uh, invited me to these uh, these events, which is really very, very nice. It's one thing to invite Andrew Giuliani, but inviting me was really sweet. And, of course, I said, yes. I said, Donald Trump Jr., Kimberly Guilfoyle, Ray Kelly, Lawrence Taylor, I'm going to speak. I love Lee. Of course I'll come. And the end the day with some fireworks. It's going to be a great day. Right. food. Little did I know that it's like 18 hours away in and, and some place on Long Island that I can't even pronounce the name. So my driver's like, you oh, know, going to be out by Storybooks. I go, no way. And you had warned me about the same thing this morning. But I'm still going because I love Lee Zeldin. Certainly you do, too. Lee, it's Sid and Andrew Giuliani filling in for uh, Bernie, who's not feeling great today. Uh, how are you, buddy? Welcome back to the show. I'm doing great. It's good to be with both of you. Uh, great to have you. So, yeah, you didn't tell me how far. I know you live in Shirley, but... This is a pretty far from Queens this event today, no? Uh
9: it's just uh just a little just a, a, a little tease, you know. Next time I'll <laughs> I'll hit you with another invite and then uh we'll, you know, we'll let you know it's actually down in Myrtle Beach. <laughs> you know- maybe we'll hit you up for the Palm Beach fundraising <laughs>
3: You know, Lee, he's he's complaining so much about it today. I think you actually should tell him, okay, well, if you want to be closer to home, why don't you host a fundraiser at your house for me? I think that's – I'll start working on him for that one I over like the last that. two hours of the show. What I do you think? I like that. That's
9: actually. fantastic. I, we actually already have the invite in the works. <laughs>
2: um. But on a well, serious <laughs> <it out. laughs> I, I would do that in a heartbeat with your help, Andrew. But on a serious note, Lee, this is a well, huge Peter event. Peter Luger is there. Sid. Oh, Peter Luger, that's right. I, I bumped you into him up. there. Uh, you got this event today. I know DeSantis is doing something with you, President Trump. This is the time. We're about two months out. We had all these primary races yesterday, Lee, and uh, talking to you a lot lately. I'm getting the feeling that despite some of these polls out there, you feel very, very confident you will win in November. And it really all starts with events like this tonight,
7: yes?
9: Well, no doubt. It's important, though, for us to have everybody everywhere all in. I mean, nobody can take absolutely anything for granted. Uh, It's it's one of those situations where I'm able to guarantee that we win in November if – Everybody everywhere is doing everything in their power. This isn't about just riding in some red wave, jumping on some board. You have to create the waves, and it's a big state. I was all over New York with Andrew. We were constantly passing each other over the course of a year plus, and it's a lot of counties, regions, you can't get to everywhere at once. Uh, So you need people there on the ground campaigning their tails off. And I'm also able to guarantee – that if we don't have everybody working that hard, there's no way to win. New York City is going to be important. If we get less than 29% in New York City, we don't know how to win. If we get over 35%, we don't know how to lose. And that window in between is the 29 to the 35% range, uh, which is a sweet spot. And the better that you do inside the city, the less that you need to get elsewhere. Uh, the, the, the internal polling that we have, we currently are tracking the race that we're down eight. Uh, I remember the polling in Governor Pataki's win in 94 against Mario Cuomo, that last week there were six public polls that came out. The average of the six polls said that Pataki was going to lose by 11 and a half points. There was one poll that had him down three. Four of them were had him down double digits, up to 14 points, and he ended up winning by three and a half. So the polling the last week of the general election in 94 uh, was all 15 points off, so you know, you, you, whatever the polls say, we just have to continue to campaign our tails off but, you know, between now and November 8th. The issues are on our side. We have to make sure we're not outworked. Uh, and we need to do this in order to save our state. I really feel like this is it. I mean, you care about crime and public safety. You care about our economy, cost of living. You care about freedom. You can't have four more
3: years of Kathy Hochul and one-party rule. It will get worse. So, Congressman Zeldin, talking about how you get people all in, last night the turnout, I was looking through this, was just over 10%. 10% actually ended up coming out to vote. So how do we, do, how do we get people to make sure that they come on out to vote on November 8th? Now, I grant... Granted that I think last night was specifically unique because we obviously had our primary in late June. You had the second primary, which I think probably confused some people, on top of the fact that it was toward the end of summer. So I certainly expect turnout to be more than that. But I look at this exactly the way that you look at it: is If you could get turnout in the, you know, in the high 30s, in the 40% range, this is going to benefit you, and it's going to close that gap. Uh, and I think it gives you really that chance to hit the, that number in the low to mid 30s, like you need in New York City. So, how do you get people all in to make sure they're coming on out to vote for you on November 8th to save our state?
9: So, your analysis is spot on uh, on every front of everything that you just said and analyzing the dynamics with multiple primaries in the sector. Right now, we're in the summer. And what I've noticed in New York is that people right now are out enjoying summer. Many people aren't thinking about politics. And then something happens a week from now. When kids go back to yeah. school, there's something about post-Labor Day, and there's a switch that goes off. And people have, they realize, okay, there's an election coming up. They start thinking about it, and they'll make decisions. Every day people will be making decisions. People out there who are on the fence as to whether or not that they're going to vote, it's a game-time decision when they wake up on Election Day. We need to be telling them that it's not just a right to vote that you are given. This is your obligation. It's your duty. It's your responsibility. Don't be passionately telling me about everything you you care about, that you're complaining about, and you're not even voting. So there's that dynamic is getting our people out to vote. I do believe that there's going to be a light switch that is going to flip after we get past Labor Day. And every single day, more and more people are going to be paying attention. Uh, and anybody who's out there who's like, ah, yeah, you have it in the bag, with regards to any of our races, up, down ballot, it doesn't matter. Nothing is in the bag. I mean, you you have to work hard for it now. In, in, in this day and age, there was a time where there was a saying: if you tell five people and they tell five people, mm-hmm. between social media, email, texts, you could go out and tell a thousand people, and then they could tell a thousand people. But you know, hit your entire list. Tell everybody you know, and you can do it quickly and efficiently. For me, all day, every day, from the moment I get up to the moment I go to sleep, I'm going to work as hard as I possibly can to try to be everywhere at once to earn the support of everyone. I don't care whether I'm walking Harlem week and I'm in an area that has always voted deeply Democrat or I'm in Livingston County, uh, where it is one of the most Republican conservative counties in the entire country. Wherever you are and anywhere in between, I'm finding that the issues are pretty much very similar, crime, economy. uh, And I feel like a lot of New Yorkers understand the stakes, and this is breaking point time for them, for their family, for the community and the state. So it's, it's all about hard work and showing up and making sure everyone else who's a registered voter shows up on November 8th.
2: Lee Zeldin, the Republican gubernatorial candidate. we got a big event coming up. Lee does later on tonight on Long Island. I'll be there, one of the speakers, and I'm very honored to do it. With me, Sid Rosenberg, and Andrew Giuliani. So you were all over Hochul the last couple of days, Lee, for qualified immunity for the cops, which, of course, you're 1,000% right. But she did mention you a couple of days ago. Uh, she was, uh, I guess, holding a rally for Pat Ryan, who did win. He beat Marcus Molinaro, a friend of mine. And she said... That Molinaro, Donald Trump, and you, you, Lee Zeldin, need to get on a plane and get the hell out of here and go down to Florida because you don't share the values that she does. And if the values are criminals running the show and uh, a dirty, filthy, taxed New York City, then she's rightly. We don't share the same values.
9: And not only is she declaring herself right, but as you point out, she says that you need to leave. She says you're not even a New Yorker. Right, get out. <laughs> you want to take on Kathy Hochul? I mean, you want to be out there saying that we need to repeal cashless bail. We should fire Alvin Bragg. We should reverse the state's ban on a safe extraction of natural gas. We should get rid of the HALT Act our correctional officers are getting assaulted. I and mean, the list goes on of, of things that have us in this race so passionately fighting as hard as we all are to save our, our city and our state and our country. And that mentality, if you want to be the governor of New York, you have to be the governor for all New Yorkers. And that includes a whole lot of people who are going to disagree with you. And, oh, by the way, a lot of what we're out there fighting for, I mean, the the New Yorker, the will of the people right now, it's all behind us. They want to repeal cashless bail. So yesterday uh, I didn't take her advice to go down to the Florida that she had in mind. (laughs) I I did go to Florida. I went to Florida and New York. And I campaigned there yesterday. Uh, I met with the mayor of Florida New York. Uh, We went to a a big senior picnic in Warwick in Orange County, and we're going to beat her in Orange
7: County. For folks that don't know, none of us are going anywhere.
2: That's right. By uh, Goshen, when I go visit my mom up by Monticello, I pass...
3: Florida, New York, every time.
2: So, you know, she
3: certainly chased a lot of Republicans down to the Florida, in uh, where Governor DeSantis is down there. Well, look, there's no doubt I've seen you uh, when when we were competing for the nomination, certainly continued on since you've become the Republican nominee, uh, go all over the state. What has surprised you most so far from this gubernatorial campaign? From a uh, from a uh, constituent standpoint, for me, one of the things that I thought really surprised me was how many independents and how many Democrats actually caught on to crime being the top issue Uh, and how many actually said, hey, look, we may not agree with everything that you have to say, but we understand that right now. Crime is your top priority. It seems to be Congressman Zeldin's top priority. That's something that speaks to us.
10: That's
9: right. People want to feel safe on their streets. They want to feel safe in their homes and their place of employment in the subways and people right now aren't feeling safe in their communities and it's getting more and more personal up close and personal we're waking up on monday morning and stomach churning reading all the headlines of everything that happened that weekend and it's happening monday morning after monday morning when you get caught up on the news
10: on what you might have missed
9: over that friday saturday sunday period so that's that's a real problem and that's not just about republicans expressing frustration disappointment it's about independence, disenfranchised Democrats. A lot of Democrats feel like their party has left them. They feel like the party is wrong on crime. And we saw it with the New York City Democratic mayoral primary. At the beginning of that primary, a year out, you had crime towards the top of the list. But that was people who were saying that we need to defund the police uh, and that we need to stop supporting law enforcement. And, and they want to pass pro-criminal laws and And then things were going very much in the wrong direction as far as the priority of the Democratic Party base. But as the June 2021 Democratic Party primary in New York City was getting closer and closer, crime and public safety was right up there at the top of the list. But they wanted to see the candidates get tough on crime. Things have flipped, and and they're seeing it on the streets of of New York City. Kathy Hochul, when I I say we need to repeal cashless bail, she says there's no data show me proof when we say we need to remove alvin bragg she says he just got there cut him some slack he's doing his job we were all out there fighting for jose alba saying that the murder charges should get dropped against him she says it's a local issue she's not going to get involved so on top of the pro-criminal policies the lax da's there's some lax judges you have a governor right now who's pandering to pro a pro-criminal base pro-criminal activists and and you know that there's more pro-criminal laws that will get passed and also an unwillingness to stand up and just shoot straight on what needs to be done to back our men and women in blue to make sure they have the, the resources they need to do their job and to reset these laws that in many respects have made our streets less safe.
2: November 8th, just about uh, two months away. And that is uh, Reckoning Day here in New York, folks. That is D-Day. That is a day that you must, must vote for Lee Zeldin. If you love this city, if you love New York State, quite frankly, if you love America, you have to vote for Lee Zeldin that day. Lee, I'll see you out on Long Island later on tonight. Excellent job here today. Thank you, as always. And uh, we start the push right now to make sure you're in Albany come November the 8th.
9: You got it, guys. Great to be with you. You Great daily.
2: There
3: he is, uh, Republican gubernatorial candidate Lee Zeldin, and uh, you know him very, very well. Yeah. (laughs) You know, in spite of the fact that you're going to be at that event tonight, I think it's going to be a great event. I really do. I really do. I think it's going to be wonderful. Look, Lawrence Taylor... Yeah. Mateau, right there, is going to be there. I saw Matteau is going to be, be there. Is he going to be there? I saw that. I saw wow. that. He is. So, I mean, you've got some, some sports legends yes. right there. Well, you've L-T's got some incredible a, uh, people and Sid Rosenberg. LT's it's a really close
2: wonderful. personal friend. I don't know Stefan Mateau. Yeah. But uh, that Howie Rose call will forever be oh, yeah. in my mind. Mateau, Mateau. One That's more Hillary Clinton, like. baby. Yes, yes. <laughs> we all Ranger fans. We do have that in common. In fact, we watch. One of the Ranger Lightning playoff games at
3: Michael's. We did. I think the last game of the season, unfortunately. It was. It was
2: the last game of the season right there. Yes. You uh, texted me from your beautiful
3: truck. Yes. That (laughs) night. That's right. The truck with my face on it right there. I love that truck. (laughs) That's a great
2: truck. We are two hours in. That was a great two hours. It really was. And two more great hours to come, which include Congressman Peter King, Tina Forte, and maybe... Rudy Giuliani, and Kimberly Gilfoyle, Either way, you've got Andrew Giuliani. You've got Sid Rosenberg right here on New York's number one morning show, Bernie and Sid, on Talk Radio 77, WABC.
0: Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
2: messages coming in at Rosenberg Sydney on my Instagram account at Rosenberg Sydney at Sid Rosenberg on Twitter and Sid Rosenberg Facebook enjoying today's combination of Andrew Giuliani and Sid Rosenberg. I did hear going back to two hours ago right before the start of today's show from the beautiful Carol McGurk, the wife, of course, of my dear friend and partner, Bernard, and uh, she did want me to thank the doctor that actually saved Bernie's life. I'm not being overdramatic. I'm not being exaggerated for the radio. He uh, almost died last Thursday. Had nothing to do with cancer. Nothing to do with that. His appendix burst, and right there on the scene at Sloan Kettering, Dr. Joshua Smith was the man who performed the surgery, and Carol says he literally saved Bernie's life. So once again, a special thanks to Dr. Joshua Smith at Memorial Sloan Kettering Hospital for saving Bernie's life. Last Thursday night, Bernie's on the mend. He's, he feels crappy. He, uh, In fact, I said to Carol, I said, give Bernie a hug for me. He said, she said, I can't. He's still, he's still in pain uh, yeah. today. But uh, he's on the mend. I hope he'll be back Monday. I'm not sure, but I hope he will be. But uh, thank you, Dr. Joshua Smith. And in his stead, Bernie, Andrew has been magnificent today. Now, I am on my way to Long Island, to this big event, and I just found out that you are not coming because you will be down at um, uh, Penn Station
3: greeting the folks when they get off the migrant buses. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, Eric Adams called me and wanted me to do that duty. Believe it or not, he called Andrew Giuliani to do that. Can you believe that? Listen, he would do that. He would do that because he's like, get that Republican
2: kid to go down
3: there and talk to those people. What do you think of that? Whole oh, mess? My, I mean, it's look, it shows rules for thee but not for me, right? And that's exactly what it is when we go back to that. it's It's crazy. Uh, Biden, obviously, this is a crisis that has been, uh, when you look at where we were from a southern border perspective, and I add it from the unique perspective of working on the opioid task force uh, for the White House, the one that Kellyanne Conway ended up holding up with the drugs are and all that, to see the amount of fentanyl that was coming in in 2017 when President Trump came in versus 2018, 2019, 2020 went down. As a matter of fact, we saw the first reduction in opioid deaths in over 30 years in 2019. Unfortunately, oh. now, yeah, first time in over 30 years. It had gone up for 32 straight years. It actually went down 17% in 2019 with the pandemic. And now the border, unfortunately, it's gone and skyrocketed. You've seen records for the last couple of years, and they're on pace to do that. Uh, look, it's, it's one of those things that I just, uh, I, I, it, it shows me that Eric Adams is completely out of touch uh biden is completely out of touch and the fact that uh that he said you know what this is a texas problem not a problem that new york is going to deal with but now all of a sudden it's on their doorstep and now he's calling for help from biden well look it shows it shows exactly what we've been saying the whole time.
2: It is a New York problem now. Yeah. And what we found out last night, again, recapping the big primary day. And don't forget, we'll talk to Lydia coming up at 825, Congressman Peter King 840, and maybe both Kimberly Guilfoyle and Woody Giuliani in the 9 o'clock hour. We came to find last night that abortion rights are still a big deal in New York. Because that was really the message from Pat Ryan, who was running against Mark Molinaro in this special election up in the Hudson Valley. Guns and abortion. And I think most people thought, including Mark, he was going
3: to win, and he didn't. So clearly abortion rights are still... A big deal for lots of New Yorkers. Yeah, and the interesting thing is, in New York, really nothing has changed. If anything, there have been more rights, as a matter of fact, right. uh, in New York. So, you know, look, I'm somebody said it on the on the campaign trail. I am pro life, as a matter of fact. Uh, but uh, I see in New York that this is not changing in this present in this present tense. So the, the the truth is, this is something where they took a national issue that does have that has no effect to New York whatsoever, and they made it New York centric because they don't want to focus on the issues that are actually affecting. New Yorkers. Like crime, like the fact that it's $4 a gallon, like the fact that we're, again, we've are we got inflation at at 8.5%, which, by the way, it's not 0% like Biden said. It's, right. it's 8%. <laughs> just go to the store, see what milk cost two years ago, see yeah. what it costs right now. Yeah. So they're just completely distracting from the issues that are affecting every single day, everyday New Yorkers every single day. See, Andrew and I have become really, really close, and he's a Yankee fan. I'm a
2: Met fan. He's pro-life. I'm pro-choice. Doesn't matter. We're still very, very close close and respect and love each other regardless the biggest race in terms of popularity and people talking about it was that uh, district race between Nadler and Maloney yeah. And, uh, look, you ended up in a very heated, contested battle. You admit, readily, even more heated than you thought when it started with Lee Zeldin and the rest of those guys. This thing got incredibly ugly, to your surprise, between Maloney and Nadler. And uh, Jerry Nadler is the winner, but nobody wins because, as I've said all week <laughs> long, these are two horrible people.
3: Yeah, they really are. I mean, uh, I, I, I just, like I said, hearing Nadler, hearing Goldman, hearing Maloney uh, last <laughs> night, it was just, it, it, it drove me absolutely nuts. I wish I was watching the Yankees like you, instead yeah. of watching Jerry Nadler <laughs> take an acceptance speech, which, shockingly enough, was probably one of the best speeches he gave on this entire campaign trail, which tells you a whole lot. Well, let me uh, ask you
2: this. So if you weren't doing the show with Dominic Carter last night, mm-hmm. and you did a great job here on ABC, and it was just an average night. Yeah. And uh, I've got a beautiful wife, so do you. And I've got a little boy, and you've got a gorgeous little baby girl. And you're home. Yeah. Are you watching all that coverage, if you don't have to talk about it on the radio that night, or are you watching the Yankee game like, excuse me, the Met game like I did last <laughs> night?
3: Well, last night it was definitely the Yankee game uh, because the Yankees yeah. actually right. came out of head. No, I'm probably watching the Yankee game. I'm keeping up what's going on on Twitter and and, right. and on on social media and seeing exactly where everything is, seeing the returns from the AP and all that, and then tuning into it. Once you know, once the polls closed at 9, I'd probably tune in for about 10, 15 minutes, definitely between some innings right there. But I, I heard like I missed the end of, of a great game last night, so I would not have missed the end. If we would have gotten to the point where we were standing up for 20 minutes trying to get that final out right yeah, there, yeah. I probably would not be tuning in at that point. I'd probably tune in at the end of the game and gotcha. see where everything is at so, 10.30.
2: So you did see Natho and you thought, because no, he's been really out of it. I mean, Maloney even called him Penile, which when he is referring to President Bush instead of President Biden, that's not a crazy remark. But you thought he was pretty good last night, huh? Uh, I mean, uh, for no, him.
3: no, for him, yes. yes. For him, yes. Right. I mean, I'd I give him a, a three out of ten, which for him, that's, <laughs> that's the best I'd give him in the last uh, five and a half, six years. I had to sit through all those impeachment hearings and see him actually go up there, and and I was actually shocked at just how inept he was. That, that the thing, That's the thing that's amazing to me. I mean, we talk about... Politics and being local and making sure that you can actually look somebody in the eye and talk to them. I can't imagine how this guy actually goes. And I've seen him a couple of times on the campaign trail. One of the least charismatic people that you'll ever meet, Sid. One of the least charismatic
2: people you'll ever meet. This is why we get big ratings is because uh, I don't always come off very polished, very professional. Andrew, the guy's a jerk-off. <laughs> Does that work for you? Yeah. Okay, good. I agree. Uh, <laughs> So you've been uh, very—you become friendly with Robert Cornicelli. Yeah. Uh, I've met him once. Again, Yankee game. Liked him a lot. Put him on the air with me and Bernie was impressed. You know, Guy's an Iraq veteran. Maybe Afghanistan, I forget which one. But either way, he's a war hero. And he, uh, he has all the same philosophies that you and I have. And Andrew Garbarino mentions the word insurrection, talking about January 6th. And I find myself leaning towards Cornicelli. But then our mutual dear friend, Peter King, who's set to join us in about 27 minutes. He is in the Garbarino camp like you're in your father's camp. (laughs) So now all of a sudden I'm at a crossroads, but you, you're
3: not. You are really high on Cornicelli. And as you said, He put up a pretty good fight. I think he did. Look, he almost cracked 40%. Maybe when the votes are all tallied, it actually is 40%, which is pretty amazing against an incumbent, right? Garbarino was the only incumbent in Long Island to be running for his seat with both Swazi and Congressman Zeldin running for governor. Only one, huh? Only one. He's the only one, which is actually pretty amazing to think about this. Garbarino, if he wins in November... For his second term, he will be the senior congressman from Long Island at wow. two-plus years. It's amazing. That is amazing. It's amazing. But you're not a big
2: fan of Garbarino.
3: Now, why is that? Well, oh, look, honest, you, be honest, be you, honest. You highlighted it before, the fact that he said insurrection, the fact that he voted for this January 6th committee, which, looking at this, once McCarthy did not have the opportunity to appoint the minority right there, it did not give Trump, it did not give us... The actual rights to actually have the opportunity to have our story told in this. This became a fishing expedition in terms of how can we get Trump? Another one coming out of Washington, D.C. This is what we've seen for the last five and a half, six years. I've lived this for the last... Bunch of years and seeing through this, I can't tell you how many times in the White House you're watching this Senate investigation, this congressional investigation into this, and these are all politically motivated witch hunts. And unfortunately, that's what you've got again with this unselect committee. Sid, once McCarthy could not appoint Republicans that he wanted to right there, it violated the House rules. And that's why this sham January 6th committee is one of the biggest political. Hit jobs of the last six years. Oh, there's no doubt. But but he's been through so
2: many of them, President Trump. Uh, Russian hoax, Ukrainian hoax, uh, presidential impeachment, January 6th. And now, of course, this ridiculous raid on Mar-a-Lago. And for folks that don't know, not only did Andrew Giuliani run for governor, but he spent those four years in the White House working for, in, and around President Trump. Now, there seems to be a split opinion after Mm Mar-a-Lago. Most people like me... Uh, feel, or I shouldn't say most people, people like me feel that this raid has ignited the Trump supporter, has made them feel really good about Donald. Again, some of us were kind of moving towards Ron DeSantis. Mm-hmm. We felt great about him again. Others say, no, 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 no. Uh, whether you like it or not, all these things become cumulative. They add up, and maybe
3: we're better off with his policies. But a guy like DeSantis, what are your thoughts? Well, I think it definitely has reignited the Trump supporter. I think you have. And and actually, I had a friend who's an independent who didn't vote for Trump in 2020 who said after that FBI raid, it's only going to help him. I mean, this is only going to help him because, again, I mean, they're going after a guy who – Obviously, was president who had this material here, which he can declassify, and it doesn't actually state how he could declassify it. By taking it up to actually the residents, by stating that it's declassified, he could declassify this material here. And when you look at actually what the Clintons did leaving the White House, I mean, it's just crazy. They took actually some of the China from the White they House. Did, Remember yes. this, My the grandmother
2: stuff. does that when she goes to like <laughs> a deli's. She takes sweet and low and salt and pepper shakers. That's Hillary Clinton. She's worth a billion dollars. She's
3: literally stealing plates. Well, maybe that's why we didn't invite her to the White House. So. She's got to t- stop doing that. We can invite her to the White House. Not in the next three years. I don't think she'll get invited, but you know, then maybe yeah. in 2025 right here. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I think, and, and one, of the, one of the things we saw last night, and I know you know this very well, considering the time you spent down there, but Charlie Chris beating Nikki Freed to run against DeSantis to get their you-know-what kick, yes. hopefully, by Ron DeSantis in November. I think it's going to be a very interesting call for DeSantis's camp, whether he decides to run if Trump decides to run. It wouldn't surprise me if actually DeSantis still decides to run With Trump running and the reason why I say that Sid is I think there are windows in politics sometimes I look at Chris Christie in 2012. That was his window to run, right? And Bridgegate happened, and by 2016, it was apparent that Chris Christie is never going to be president of the United States. He might run again in 2024, but he is never going to be president of the United States. Plus, he stabbed Donald Trump in the back time and time again. He stabbed him in the back right there. But in 2012, had Chris Christie decided to run? He could have won. He could have won. Agreed. He could have won. And obviously, you look at what happened... With Hurricane Sandy, that tragedy that happened just a few weeks before the election, he would have been handed the opportunity to be the hero there yeah, yep. coming right down the stretch. Very, it's very, very likely that he would have been elected, not likely, had a very good opportunity to become president. No, I agree so with you. This, yeah. Look, DeSantis is going to be the incumbent governor of South Florida. Uh, by 2026, he will be out. And he won't be able to run again. So in 2028, he would not. And let's say Trump wins, Trump runs and wins. You're going to have a vice president there that can't be DeSantis because they're both from Florida that will think that they should have the ride to the presidency right there. Right, so right. so it's very interesting to see what's going on in their camp. Obviously, now they're focused on their November 8th race. they got to make sure they take care of business there, but I'm pretty certain that they will. Hopefully, it'll be by double digits. And then we'll be talking all about what's going to happen in 2024.
2: That is great insight right there from Andrew Giuliani, who's been tremendous. Since six o'clock this morning, sitting right here with me, filling in for Bernie, just, just riding,
3: riding, some of the best coattails in the business nah, here, nah, in you're
2: Sid great. You don't, <laughs> you don't need me. You're great. We got a lot more to do on this show, but uh, that insight was great. We've got more great insight coming up with Lou Dobbs right here on Bernie and Sid. Keep it right here. It's-
0: the seventy seven WABC Lou dobbs financial report
11: i'm Lou Dobbs Wall Street still dragging midweek investors eyeing big chipmaker earnings and new home sales plunge to a six year low. Those stories next a recession may be ahead, retirement accounts especially vulnerable if you want to protect your future, call the precious metal dealers at american hartford gold they're the highest rated firm in the field with an A plus rating and thousands of satisfied clients. They'll suggest ways to protect your savings and retirement accounts by diversifying your portfolio with physical gold and silver. All it takes to get started is a short phone call, and they'll have physical gold and silver delivered to your door or inside your IRA or 401k. Tell them Lou Dobbs sent you. They'll give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. So call them now. Call 866-611-1277 or text Lou, L O U to ninety nine eighty eight ninety nine again that's eight six 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 one 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 two seven seven, or text Lou to ninety nine eighty eight ninety nine. Stocks still struggling this week. The S and P five hundred now riding a three day losing streak. Investors weighing poor economic data and mixed earnings as they await guidance from Fed Chair Jerome Powell later this week. Nvidia reporting second quarter earnings. The company is no longer hinging its outlook on gaming revenue, expecting a thirty percent decline from a year ago. Nvidia cut its forecast for the second quarter by more than a billion dollars. On the expected video game losses, any positive outlook the company offers today will be based solely on its data center growth. Sales of newly built homes fell more than 12.5% in July, down 29% from a year ago. Just 511,000 new homes sold last month. That's the fewest since January of 2016. Sky-high price tags and mortgage interest rates are causing families to reconsider new construction. Please join me several times each weekday right here on 77 WABC. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Keep listening for more to
0: 77WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. This is Lydia Reports on 77
8: WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani.
6: Well, if cops aren't safe, then nobody is safe. A veteran cop, 48 years old, he was out on his morning jog in the Soundview section of the Bronx yesterday, just before 11 o'clock in the morning, when he was jumped by three guys. They were not white supremacists, by the way. (laughs) They jumped out of a black Honda uh, sedan. They beat him so badly. Sid in, and Andrew, that he is now in a medically induced coma. Thank God he was able to flag down a traffic cop. He didn't tell the cop he was a cop himself, and they got him help. And now police believe this incident is connected to 19 similar incidents that have been happening since August 1st wow. throughout the Bronx and Queens, where this trio of young black men are jumping out of this black Honda sedan. They're beating people up. They're carjacking them. They're assaulting them. We talked about this the other day. The Bronx Bronx is burning, and uh, I think the only way we can put this fire out is by getting these Democrats out and put the criminals in prison. Where well, that will be nice.
2: I mean, it was uh, interesting hearing those folks screaming "Jerry, Jerry, Jerry" <laughs> yesterday, like the Jerry Springer show, and Nadler <laughs> beat Maloney. Of course, that's the primary, so a Democrat had to win. But we had Lee Zeldin on at seven forty, me and Andrew, and uh, that's what he talks about. He talks about bail reform. Crime, and Kathy Hochul still, still... Well, every now and then we'll come out and say, "Listen, that was really bad." It takes a lot for her to say that. Still not doing anything about it. Bottom line,
6: she's not doing anything, and she won't do anything. Andrew, you know all too well yeah. how Kathy Hochul is. All she, I think, she, I think she just all she cares about is lining her pockets, the Buffalo Bill deal, and getting that Botox in her face. I mean, she's looking more <laughs> evil and witchy by the day.
3: You know, it's it's really amazing when you see something like this, where a veteran police officer, forty eight years old, been mm-hmm. on the job for for decades, yeah. ends up getting jumped like this. It's unblocked. And that's, I think, one of the things that's different than the feeling that you felt probably in the early 90s in New York, right? Crime was more by a number standpoint, but this feels like that you're feeling this all over the city. You're seeing these ra- you know, random attacks where people are coming out and beating anybody. It feels like it can happen to you anywhere in New York City at any time. And, and that's the thing that's a threat. And I think it's one of the things that's preventing new york from really coming back the way we needed to i think there are less people that are spending tourist dollars in new york i remember talking to somebody actually from arizona a couple days ago and they said i was thinking about bringing my kids either to uh they wanted to go to orlando or to new york that's where the vacation was going to be they said we're going to orlando we're not even thinking about new york we're going to the theme parks right now
6: and you know the cab driver that got beaten to death because those Five kids didn't pay the fare. They just arrested one another suspect, 13 years old, uh, a 13-year-old girl. Terrible. We keep hearing, and then you see these social media videos of, like, the fights in the uh, McDonald's. Yeah. Where is the respect? That's what's the problem. I mean, if you go to the root cause of the problem, it's the parents, that these kids are being raised like animals, so then they're acting like animals.
3: You think because you see a social media video where you have somebody getting beat up like that, you think it's almost like a copycat thing? Where they see that and say, oh, you know, this no is what want to do. It, there's right? no this, doubt.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, when, when there are kids out there that are bad kids, you know, and some mm-hmm. of them aren't bad. They're just misguided. I yeah. get it. People get upset. But when they see these videos, Lydia and Andrew, and they see people get away with stuff, then they just mimic it. Right. And same thing with the cops. I mean, if you know you can go out there and mess with a cop and suffer zero repercussions and your friends think it's cool, you're going to do the same thing. So these social media videos actually make the problem exponentially worse. If there weren't good-looking girls on social media, there'd be no reason for it.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what about that guy that purposely rammed his ATV into the cop and he was just allowed to walk free? Overall yep. crime here in New York City is up over 36%, and we're not even talking about the guy who like whips out his willy and waves it at people and tries to <laughs> what? you know and is pooping on the streets. Like those I feel like those low-level crimes also have to be prosecuted.
3: Of course. I saw know? that guy the other day. It was it was no fun. It was not fun. I don't like that. At all. To do a live sure.
6: shot, I was wor- I was I was doing a hit for Fox News, like the the national program, and I was all excited and and at the corner of my eye, I see a guy pull his pants down, and he's like yeah. this, like and I was just like, I focused, laser yeah. focused, did my hit, and then afterwards, I ran like a little girl, yeah. you know, away from it
2: because he's disgusting. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I, I got to think your father. You talk about the '90s and the crime issue, and your dad, of course, was the guy that stopped it. Although Greg Kelly thinks it was his father, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Who you'll see today at, at yeah. Congressman Zeldin's. Right? Uh, he'll, he'll be speaking. Uh, he'll is be speaking. he speaking
3: before or after? Zeldin's on Fox right Business here. right
6: now.
7: I think, there you go. I think
2: I'm um, in between Yeah. Kimberly... No, I'm on after Donald Trump you You're Jr. in between Kimberly? <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm on after <laughs> hey Donald now. Trump Jr. But your
11: father, <laughs> oh. to,
2: to Lydia's point... He, he would never allow even those yeah. low-level crimes to go uh, unnoticed because though, what happens is it's kind of like drugs, right? You smoke weed. Yeah. Next thing you know, you're doing coke or whatever. There's a gateway, right? Mm-hmm. So these
3: low-level crimes become the gateway, Andrew, to some of the more severe crimes. Is that not true? Absol- 100%. And okay. also, it's, I mean, it's a backbone of broken windows policing right there, right? If you let somebody get away with something that's that small right there and you don't actually stop in – stop the behavior. That's what so much of it is all about. We talk so much about the penal system. You hear on the left saying, well, you're penalizing these kids. No, no. You want to stop the behavior when it's minor, when it's a misdemeanor, so that way you don't graduate to actually beating a police officer like they're doing right now. If they're stealing something from a store, you got to stop it right there. You don't want them actually going into violent crime. And the
6: guy that got beat in the head with a rock recently on the subway, guess what? The guy who did it, he did not pay his subway fare. So if cops were allowed Uh, to actually enforce fare Evasion. Right. Then maybe the guy wouldn't have been in the hospital because his head was split open by a freaking rock.
2: Sixty seconds to go. You're a very attractive woman, and you're now. This is a pretty decent neighborhood for the crime-riddled city, Third uh, Avenue Midtown. But still, there's stuff that was on right here. Don't get me wrong. Do you feel unsafe when you walk around? Do you feel unsafe? I probably shouldn't say this on the
6: air, but I have a little thing. Like I'll, I'll show it to you. I what have is it? like it's...
2: a knife, a gun, mace. What do you got? Spray Andrew with the. I got,
6: I got a zapper.
2: Oh my God.
6: I do. I have a zapper.
3: Does it, does it actually. Oh my God. <laughs> but but, but that that's actually not to was. keep her safe. That's to keep her safe from you, Sid. Yeah, that's, that's why she has it on her right hand.
1: So we walk, actually all have those against I walk, Sid. I walk
6: around with this.
1: Why? Wow. Uh, yeah.
6: So I will do this right in the nuts. Me? You know. <laughs>
1: You know, when you're right running
6: in the nuts of the neck,
3: you know, when you're running <laughs> for Andrew, office, it <laughs> <laughs> usually pays for that. on Saturday.
2: <laughs> I do pay extra. She's right. uh, you know, when
3: you're, when you're running for office, you have, you know, Giuliani for governor Zeldin, maybe Zeldin's got to put some Zeldin for governor actually oh, zaps that's a right great there idea. and get some of those out right there. Zeldin. That is funny. That is funny. funny. That is is go. Go. Might be keeping women, right
2: keeping women safe in yeah, New York. Exactly. Zeldin for governor. Zeldin for governor. Look, it's pretty. This might be
6: illegal though. I got it in Connecticut.
2: Oh, it's. Illegal. Oh yeah.
6: Well. <laughs> well that was a great job. John TDs, five o'clock. You don't want to miss it. We stand for truth, justice, and the American way, and you two are doing a great job. You thank too. Love thank, thank you.
2: Thank you. That is a great job by Lydia. Really, really great.
0: On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
2: just gave me really good advice for my speech tonight at Lee Zeldin's event, which I'm going to uh, use and take heed. (laughs) Um, Talking about people with good advice and really smart people and very good people. They don't come much better than our next guest for the better part of four decades. I think he distinguished himself as one of the great, if not the greatest, along with your father, politicians in New York history. Out of Long Island, the great Peter King. And he is celebrating this morning because his guy Garbarino got the win yesterday. Here he is, our dear friend Peter King. Peter, Sid, Andrew, how are you, pal?
12: I'm doing great, except I think my life is going in circles. Because 55 years ago, I was working in a law firm as an intern. And Rudy Giuliani who was signed with me. We worked together as partners that whole summer. I had to get up in the morning. I had just moved to Seaford. he was living in Belmore And both of us would take the train in together all the way in and all the way back. And I had listened to Rudy pontificating all the way (laughs) from Belmore to uh, uh, Penn Station. And now I have to listen to Andrew Giuliani in the morning. I tell you, it's one Giuliani or the other, you know? That's that funny. You know, you
3: gotta work. you got to work hard for that salary there, Congressman King. But I, I, I want to ask hey, you Andrew, one question.
12: Great job you're on board there, Andrew. Great
3: guy. Thank uh, you. Uh, you know, I want to ask you, one of the th- co- really coolest things that you sent me about a year ago or so was a seating chart where you and my father, and you actually had... A much better seat than this. Actually, sat I think with then President Nixon. Tell tell me a little about that exactly. When back when you actually were law interns, is that right?
12: Yeah, we we're interns. It was uh, Nixon's law firm. It was Nixon, Mudge, Rose, Guthrie, and Alexander. It was down at Twenty Broad Street, wow. and I think it was about only about eight interns we had. And uh, somewhere in like August of that year, nineteen sixty-seven, uh, Nixon was planning his race for uh, president. And we had like a two-and-a-half-hour lunch with him in the uh, firm conference room. And it was great, I mean, to be sitting there. You know, your father was there. Other people uh, in there also who did very, very well you know, in their life. Uh, but it was great. It was uh, my first exposure to uh, yeah, actually seeing somebody at that level. And, to the, and the way Nixon was handling all all the questions. That was during the height of the Vietnam War. Uh, Johnson was still considered a big favorite. Uh, Bobby Kennedy might be challenging him, all those issues. So looking back on it, yeah, that was uh, that was a great time. And seriously, uh, your father and I, I think you we were maybe eight altogether or ten, and they divided us up into teams of two. So your father and I worked together all summer. Again, I had just moved to Seaford. He was living in Belmar, so we went back and forth on the train every day together, <laughs> spent all day together, and it was, uh, again, he was a, a tough, smart guy then, and he uh, certainly is is today, and he's a great guy, and he he's the guy that saved New York. I mean... Uh, uh, it's unfortunate we're in the situation we're in today, but New York. Now you go back to 1992, 1993. Ba- basically, the, you know they were doing the death toll for uh, uh, New York. Mm, it, was, yep. it was dead. There was no way he was going to come back, and if it did. Your father brought it back, and as you guys were talking about. Uh, with all the great extravagant things he did, so probably the most important was the basic one of locking people up for quality of life crimes. If you stop it at that level, it sets a tone. If you're going to you know, lock a guy up for jumping the turnstile, God knows what you're going to do to somebody who's you know, carrying out an armed robbery. So it scared the life out of guys. Not, it, it, I think there were two million guns on the street when your father came in as mayor. And most of those guns may have still been there during the whole time, but the bad guys were afraid to use them. And, uh, and that's, the, that's the trick. You're never going to get rid of all the guns in New York, but you can't stop the bad guys from using them. And that's what he did. And uh, he and uh, Bill Bratton, and then, you know, later on with uh, Bloomberg and Ray Kelly, they kept it going. And now, unfortunately, we're seeing what's happening to New York. Also, if I can mention one story without going too much off. Uh, I heard you talking about uh, 2001 and the Yankee World Series. And uh, it was interesting because I was actually – yeah, This is a moment in history. It's a little different from the story that Derek Jeter tells when George Bush threw out the first pitch. Yep. I was actually in the Oval Office with him that afternoon wow. where they were on a big airline security issue. Because Remember, this was only six weeks after 9-11, and they were coming out with all these emergency measures. But he was distracted, and he told me he was going to throw out the first pitch that night. And uh, several months before, on opening day, there was no uh, uh, Washington team, then he threw out the first pitch in Baltimore. And he had uh, trained, worked out, because he's a pretty good athlete, and he could always get it over the plate. But going out uh, to throw that in Baltimore, they put a bulletproof vest on him, yeah. and he bounced the pitch. Uh-oh. And he said, you yeah, everybody booed and they carried on, which is fine. But he said a president cannot do that when the country's at war. So he was actually working out that day in the Rose Garden with a bulletproof vest on and a heavy jacket, because he knew he was going to wear an FDNY jacket that night. So he was he always intended to throw it from the rubber. And he was uh, as concerned about that, not out of ego or anything else, but he, he said, I can't bounce this pitch when our, our, our men and women are going into war. Wow. And uh, so anyway, he was actually working out with the vest on, because he didn't want to get caught short again. And I you know Derek Jesus says that uh, Bush was thinking of throwing it in front of the mound. He may have said, hey, you, 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 can I get away with this? They said no. No, he intended all along to throw it from the rubber. I remember watching it on television that night. I was probably more nervous than Bush was. Knowing what I was through his ride. <laughs> wow. Not only did he get it over the plate, if you look at it carefully, it was actually a breaking ball. It made yeah. it right over the plate. It was, great it was amazing. Anyway, that, that, that's my you know, your little contribution. That
2: is a great story. And uh, Bush, 43 at that point, couldn't be more popular. And unfortunately, the next seven years after that, it all went downhill. And right now, Bush, not exactly a fan of all of ours. But uh, while we exchanged all these nice pleasantries and niceties and you talked so nicely about Andrew's father, deservedly so, you guys have been bitter rivals the last couple of weeks, Peter, in that you were endorsing Garbarino and Andrew very vociferous in his support of one Robert Cornicelli. <clears throat> and, uh, well, your guy won, but uh, Andrew still thinks the wrong guy won.
12: All I know is my guy won, and I, I'll take it with that. Now, listen, I, uh, I work close with Andrew Garbarino. I've known him over the years. I remember in the summer of 2020, when it was hard to find too many politicians defending the cops during the George Floyd riots. He was out there, standing outside police precincts in Nassau County, Suffolk County. He was endorsed by every police organization, and he made the tough decisions. When you're in Congress, it's not always that easy, and when you uh, when you're running for re-election. Is an advantage to being an incumbent, but the big disadvantage is you have a voting record. And a lot of the things you vote for are going to work out in the long run, but in the short term, they can be, you know, they can be used against you. And that's what happened when he voted on the infrastructure bill, which I, was, I would have voted for that, too, because I, it was one of the few times that New York got, uh, and Long Island got the funding they're entitled to. But, again, some of those programs are going to take a few years before they kick in. And uh, he and I discussed that before he did it. There was nothing in it politically for him in the uh, short term, but there was over the long term. So anyway, I'm glad he won. It was a solid victory, almost. I think he won by 19 points. And uh, again, the base of the party is definitely a strong support for President Trump among the base of the Republican Party. And they made this somehow that Andrew wasn't strong enough for Trump, even though uh, Andrew probably votes with the Republicans, the conservative Republicans, more than 90 percent of the time. But he won. Listen, it's important now that the parties stay united. I don't want to be refighting old battles. we got to get the House back in November. And I'm a little concerned about it. When I saw that uh, Mark Molinaro yeah. did not win that yeah. special election, yep. Yep. Uh, that, that was one where yep. that, that, that's a 50-50 district. And for him to lose it, to me, it shows we got to really work between now and November. And also going back to something you said before with uh, Lee Zeldin, I think some of those polls are totally out of whack. Yeah. I think he could well be down now by seven or eight points. To me, that is nothing in a statewide race. If the governor is under fifty, that means she can very, very well lose if uh, Lee can get everybody united behind him and really get his message out there.
3: Yeah, I think you're right. That poll that came out yesterday that had Zeldin a Survey USA poll that had him down 24 points. I, I dug a little through that, and, and to me, it looked. I'll tell you why it looked very suspicious to me. It had him down 17 points in the in New York suburbs. City suburbs, and, and to me, I-, I don't see him losing the New York City suburbs. Forget it, even being a single digit race. I can. I saw. Him how well he was able to get the vote out in both, not just Suffolk, but also in Nassau uh, in June. And I have no doubt in seeing what happened in 2021 that he is going to win the city suburbs. So see that down 17 points. You can see that that was uh, really a flawed survey more than anything else, Congressman.
12: It really is. I don't know what kind of a sampling they were using, but you you can talk to the most partisan Democrat off the record. They, they'll tell you that Lee is going to win the suburbs. Yeah. It's a question of how much. And I say he's going to win so Nassau and Suffolk by 10, between 10 and 15 points. They have him down by 17. Yeah. You just change those numbers around, and, and the election becomes oh, almost... It's
3: almost, oh, a single-digit almost, race.
12: You know, yeah, absolutely To me, it's probably going to be a 50-50 race, but the way the issues are, and we have to focus on crime and the economy, but mainly... Crime, because even if the economy is bad, we tie that to crime. You go down the line, people are scared. The fact that that cop was jumped in the Bronx last night, if that's a veteran cop being jumped, imagine what the average man and woman has has to worry about. So, no, crime is the issue. And Kathy Hochul, who I work with in Washington, has been a terrible, terrible disappointment. She's gone right down that liberal progressive line.
2: Yeah, but, you know, we all agree that crime is the issue, and Kathy is terrible with that. And here you just mentioned the Molinaro race, and uh, the night before that uh, election, she had the rally, uh, Kathy Hochul, for for, uh, Pat Ryan. And uh, he won. And he wasn't talking about crime. He was talking about abortion. He was talking about guns. So in the end, when you talk about, you know, getting the House in, in November and how scary that Malinaro loss was, it really was scary because here's a guy that won that wasn't even talking about crime.
12: No, I agree. But we have to get the debate around the crime. to crime. We have to focus on that. And uh, we have to, again... Uh channel a debate. It's up to us to make make that the issue. Because it is the again, the underlying issue. We have to get it out there. And it depends on the candidate. Listen, I, I think Mark Molinaro was a great candidate. I supported him, you know, very much for governor when he ran back in, I guess it was 2018. And he's, he's a first-rate guy. And uh, hopefully he'll win it in November. No, it's not... We can't just talk in our own echo chamber. We have to Reach out to other people who may disagree with us on different issues, but we're very concerned about crime. We have to do it. That's what what Reagan did. Uh, He brought over so many uh, moderate, conservative, Democrats, independents. We have to appeal to them and not just make it a strict party line, you know, left or right, but pick pick that issue, focus on it. It's the right issue. And, again, we have to get it done. And uh, uh, I think some Republicans thought, you know, it's going to be a red wave. We're going to win everything. You know, we may not. We should. It's up to us to do it, but we got to work hard and really stay, you know, stand united.
3: So, Congressman, last night, it looks like turnout's going to be around 10%, maybe a little over 10%, but it looks like less than 11% of those who actually had candidates running participated. In those elections, I could tell you from the gubernatorial primary back in June, it was 17%. How do we get turnout up? I mean, we hear everybody complaining all the time about crime. You hear them complaining about the economy, about gas prices, uh, about school choice and charter schools. How do we get to the point where people are participating i mean i remember actually at least when i first started following politics you'd have at least about 40 percent 35 40 percent of the people that would come out which at the time people were saying well that's not enough you need to have the majority of people but now we're looking at these terrible numbers where you know one in five people not even one in ten people are coming out and voting on primary day
12: yeah uh, actually in in new york that's not that un- uncommon i remember having primaries where we'd uh, maybe you get ten, fifteen percent coming out. Now upstate, they come out, you know, much, much, much bigger numbers upstate. But uh, no, it's, uh, people, I, I, it's I'm with you. I, it, what drives me crazy is you run into a guy two weeks after election complaining about taxes or crime or whatever it is. Then you find out the guy didn't vote. now uh, they're all the same. What's the difference? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, democracy is a participatory sport. Well, it's not a sport, but you have to participate. And when you go around the rest of the world and you see other people are willing to die for the right to vote, and we have people you know don't want to come off the beach. And uh, you know to vote? What? No, it's uh, it, a lot of it's education. A lot of it's maybe they just see all it's so much going on in, in the media. They uh, just all blends together in their in their head, and it doesn't make sense to them. But no, we gotta. It's up to us. It's up to us in politics and the media. To try to bring people around, to let them know it's important to vote, get out there, have a voice. You know, as you know, Andrew. I mean, in, in campaigns, if people want to get involved in the campaign, candidates are more than willing to bring them on board. You want people out there working for you, so it's not like some exclusive club we have. We want people to get involved, and it's again, if you do get involved, it's very exciting. It's uh, you see up close how decisions are made. You realize how it's a lot, uh, a lot tougher than people think it is, and. Uh, you know, like you were saying before, traveling around the state, people have no idea what that means. I I ran for attorney general back in 1986, and I only lost by 1.2 million votes. But uh, you go <laughs> around, you go to right, like it's Lewis close. County. This place is the end of the earth. Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah. you have to take a yeah you propel a plane up the Hudson River, oh, and, and you're speaking at a press conference where four people show up, and then you're back, you're going over to Schenectady or Troy. Or oh. it's, you know, it's a tough business. Tough. And uh, people just sort of sit back and criticize. They should realize how tough it is and how the people in there, if you want results, you've got to fight for them. You've got to get in there. That's why it was great that you got in the arena. And even like, for instance, uh, I, I was supporting Andrew Gar- Garbrino, but You get you know, people who ran against him. I give them credit. Yeah. They jumped in. They didn't just sit back and complain. They got involved. And uh, to me, that, you know, that's what it's all about. Yeah. And uh, But, Sid, going back, I, I never really thought that I was – fighting with Rudy Giuliani or Andrew Giuliani. I was fighting with Sid Rosenberg. I've no, no, no. had a claim victory no. over Sid Rosenberg. Yeah, you
2: see, I have like a tree. It starts with me, but then there are leaves <laughs> on my tree. And you got Andrew and you got Rudy. It was a big fight, Peter. Uh, by the way, the most famous Connected New Yorker ever. I'm going to go with Pat Riley. Uh, oh, Saturday, yeah. you are going to be at Michael's, you and Melissa, for my book signing. But I found this out yesterday. I didn't know this, Peter. John Franco was on with me yesterday. He was great. And the Mets, for many, many years, did not play the old-timers game. They are bringing it back this Saturday, and 69, 73, 86, 2000, Piazza, Lighter, all those guys, up to the 2015 team that lost to Kansas City, will all be represented Saturday in Queens at Old-Timers Day.
12: How exciting is that? It's great. In fact, I was with Art Shamsky over the weekend. and He and Eddie Cranepool They are. Are they going Looking forward to that? That means so much to those guys. Yes, really of does. course. Now, now, listen. I would love to go, but I have to go to Sid's book signing, and then, <laughs> I, I, and then you know, and then John has that event out in the Hamptons. So I'm going to certainly uh, video it. I'm going, to, I'm going to watch it. I mean, I am a diehard Mets fan. Last night, I was going back and forth between Garberino and the Mets, and at least Garberino won. <laughs> well, I mean, that was a tough game last night. Uh, God, you know, come down. The bases loaded. Uh, when the door was up, and, uh, and listen, they uh, you're talking about two tough teams, and it's going to be uh, coming down the wire. I'd I, I love to see both of them in the World Series. Yeah. You know, the Yankees had this losing streak when back in 2000 when the Mets played in the World Series. I think the Yankees lost like 10 of their last 12 games. Yeah. They only won 87 games. That's right. They stumbled into the, into the postseason, and then, of course, they won. So I mean, uh, And you're right also, that game, the Mets lost it four games to one. They could have easily won that in, in four, you know, four straight. But they didn't, and what can I tell you, Timo Perez? Benito, oh, Omar oh. Del <laughs> I,
3: I know you mentioned Lewis County before when you were traveling around the state. It's about five hours north and ninety minutes west for anybody who doesn't know in New York. But I was actually just there with Congressman Zeldin about three weeks ago. I went last year. They have a cheese auction there, and I got to tell you, one of the <laughs> best things in the world would be next year if we could get Sid Rosenberg oh, 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 bidding on, on a yeah. cheese auction to win that right there. You know, I think I think what people don't <laughs> Realizes how diverse this great state of, actually if is. I and Andrew, there, you know, do, <laughs> <laughs> if I
12: ever went there, we can buy him a one way ticket up If I ever went there with Chip Lee in.
2: Zeldin, it would be the only time ever you had two, two Jews <laughs> one day
12: in Lewis County, New
2: York. Hey, uh, Peter, that is a great job today. I love you. I'll see you on uh, Saturday afternoon. I'm really
12: looking forward to that. Absolutely. Me too. Thank and Andrew, you. Peter. Great talking you. Good Thank luck you, Congressman.
2: Man. He's such a good guy. Such a, My the family best. loves him, my wife and statesman a real state he is but he he's is. also but he's
3: a regular guy you he know is. he likes his baseball likes his food and He's a very used, loyal guy. Very loyal. When I was working in the White House, we used to go out to dinner. I would say once a quarter or so, maybe maybe twice a year. Please tell me Trump paid. And what's oh, that? No, Those that were Peter. Did. <laughs> <It was> Peter. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we'd go to an Irish bar, right about two blocks away from from the Capitol, yeah, right there. We weren't going way. to a fancy dinner. We're, we were going way, to an Irish bar. Way, and way, and way,
2: a, was... way to further the stereotype. Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Peter King in an Irish bar? No way.
3: Come on. He <laughs> wasn't drinking. No, no he wasn't not
7: drinking.
2: No. Oh. Uh, that's a great. Just three uh hours. We got another. A great hour to come hope you're enjoying this wednesday edition of bernie and it with my friend andrew giuliani we'll do the news and then more of us right here on talk radio 77 wabc
11: purchase new wiper blades from o'reilly auto parts today and we'll install them for free see better and drive safer with o'reilly auto parts
7: oh, 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 o'reilly auto parts i want
10: to rock oh,
0: oh! Bernie and Sit in the Morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hello,
5: baby, hello. Haven't seen your face for a while. Have you quit doing time for me? Or are you still the same spoiled
7: child?
2: Elton John Harmony as we start the fourth and final hour of Bernie and Sit in the Morning on this gorgeous Wednesday, 9.05. Joined in studio now, Andrew Giuliani and Sid Rosenberg, by the mastermind behind WABC. I know they give John and Margo all the credit, and they deserve it. They deserve it, because the ship be sinking, as Michael Ray Richardson once said when he was on the Knicks. But the guy that really had all the ideas from way back when and just needed the right people to implement them, and now that they have been implemented, you see how great this station is. Is really Chad, Chad Lopez, And uh, he's humble. I don't want to talk about it. He's shaking his head. But just like you, just humble, no
3: right? You said you were the mastermind for 6 o'clock
2: well, hour. Well, I don't, don't, don't kid okay. yourself, okay? <laughs> I am not humble. I actually have a sweatshirt that reads humble and hungry. And everybody, <laughs> they stop me in the street, they go, I know you're hungry. I'm not sure about the second part. Here he is, uh, the boss here at WABC, and really, a, a really, really bright radio guy and a dear friend, Chad Lopez. Have you been listening to the great Andrew Giuliani well, well,
13: first off, good morning, guys. Good, good morning. morning. The energy that you guys have. Tremendous. Yeah. It's yeah. good. It sounds yeah. good. You guys are really, after a night like last night, <laughs> right, Andrew? You, you you were in. You're doing the election coverage. Uh, doing a great job. It's yeah. really yeah. great. I, I was going to sleep
3: here, but I think I saw Curtis over <laughs> there. And I, and I, I have allergic to cats. You
13: actually
2: told me that yesterday. <laughs> you were considering sleeping here. The whole cat thing actually came up. But, but, you know, this is, your job is difficult at times. You have to do stuff on the fly. Uh, Bernie's not feeling well. You guys have been... Great for Bernie. I mean, so nice to him. You, John, Margo, he knows that. Carol knows that. But here we are, an important day in New York, and sometimes you have to do something quickly to keep the listeners engaged and and energized. So the idea to bring Andrew in this morning was brilliant, and that goes back. Those are some of the moves a manager has to make, a coach has to make, very similar to your job. Right,
13: right. Well, I I would love to take the credit, and I'm being really truthful here. It's it's not me. I, I have to tell you. I, uh, you know, John comes up with this because when you, you know this, when you're working for the major corporations, they're so far removed from what the pulse is. And John will always say, we have the pulse. And he'll say, why don't we, you know, let's, let's, let's try something. Let's, let's figure something out here. And then Margo will come in and say, I think that looks, so when you work with a family like that and they care and they're passionate and they care about the family here and they care, they really treat it like a family. Yeah. So it means so much. And when they make that decision. All I do is execute, and you guys deliver.
7: See, here's a big difference between
2: me and Chad. Uh, Even if that's true, what he just said, and it is, he doesn't lie, I would have still taken the credit for it. No, no, no.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You know, one of the things, and I said this to you the other day, Chad, so it's not something I'm repeating to you specifically, but one of the things that was so amazing to me was throughout the campaign trail, and this built throughout it, this might not have been as many people saying this. In May and June of twenty twenty one. But I can tell you, by the end of the campaign trail, whenever I would go on yeah. WABC, whether it was with Bernie and Sid, whether it was Greg Kelly, was that other guy named Giuliani, who was on at three o'clock. Yeah, yeah. I had people coming up to me all the time talking more about my WABC appearances than appearances on forget about any other radio station, even television stations. So you guys have really created a community. And I think you see that on the campaign trail, I can I can tell you that I saw the community that you have created in not just the New York area. I'd actually hear you all the way up in
8: Rochester
13: sometimes. Yeah. The the growth of uh, our, our audience, is, it's it's incredible for an AM station, an AM station right now to have the growth it's had. No one's had this kind of growth, especially in New York City right now. To be, you know, we have the number one morning show. We've got our, our evening shows that John is killing, not because, and thank God, he's the boss, and thank God his show really is killing and He's doing a great job, and that's it's it's really just giving New Yorkers what John and Margo wanted to do was to give New Yorkers a station they can relate to that mirrors all the communities, the people of New York City. Having you on, Sid, your energy—you can talk sports, politics, all that stuff. Thank you. Bringing Andrew in, and you know, it's 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 great. It really is. I feel good about it. No, no, I just I, so wanted to come I mean, in listen, and say hi. Listen, I didn't want to jump on. No, not, I know, I, but you know, but we'll, not, we'll
2: let you go with this. Yeah. But you were there, and, and I, I would tell these—I tell this all the time. So we'd have these meetings at the old address, yeah. Madison Square Garden, yeah. you know, yeah. and we were down to like a shell. PLJ's gone, Nash Country's gone, the Urban Station's gone, and it's just like. Us, me, Bernie, W.A.B.C. And he would have the sales guys in that jet, and he'd be like, and we're going to do this, and we're going to push out this on social media, and we're going to make sure these people see this, and make sure these. And I said to myself, this guy's either crazy <laughs> or a genius. <laughs> and as it turns out, we've implemented all those things now because you've got the vehicle with John and yeah. Margo. Yeah. Genius.
13: Yes. Well, thank so you. Thank you. You've done,
2: you're have you an amazing, amazing thinker. You, you really thank are. You. Thank so you. Thank I appreciate
13: you. that. I didn't yeah. come into to jump into the show. So <laughs> you guys get back to it. You guys are doing a great job. All right, thank, all right. thank, thank you, you. Well, and I
3: know there are people all across the great state of New York that are looking forward and beyond, I mean, that are really looking forward to seeing the continued growth oh, yeah. of this because yeah. it's, of it's amazing what you've done over the last couple of yeah. years alone and where it's going. I think News, sports, talk. Never going to (laughs) die. Never going to die.
2: Couldn't agree more. I read all these things. Thank you, Chad. AM's going away. Radio's going away. It's all going away. They're crazy. Not going anywhere. Especially now, uh, Andrew, as you can point out, with these big elections coming up in November. Thank you, Chad. You're great. We love you. Thank you. Big elections coming up in November. Big presidential race, 2024. So if you're in New York, and people forget, yes, it's two to one Democrat. Mm -hmm. But there's like 10 million people here. That means there are millions of people living in New York like Sid Rosenberg, like Andrew Giuliani, like Bernie McGurk, who do appreciate Republicans and that conservative thinking. We're the only
3: place to go. That's it. And and I think as social media becomes more and more part of our lives, people search for community. I really, really think that. And like I said before, like I said to Chad, I think you've created a community here on WABC where people really feel like every single day this is going to be part of my day and it's going to make me feel connected to New York because you do that. You do bring all of those different factors in there and certainly so many of the hosts do that. And that community is so important as we get more and more involved with technology. My wife and I talk about it all the time with Grace. You wonder where this is going to go and how much it's going to be. But I think more and more people are going to continue to gravitate to whatever ways they could feel connected to New York. Agreed. So one
2: thing I did notice a couple days ago is I stay off of Twitter, just Mm -hmm. so you know. Keep your sanity. uh, Keep your sanity. Exactly. It is. Instagram every day I do it. Facebook, almost every day I do it. Twitter, I, you know what I do? I hide my eyes yeah. and I kind of look at it, you know, and I take a pretty vicious beating on Twitter, uh, and that's fine, okay. Uh, but I read my comments, huh? <laughs> I mean, nasty. <laughs> but then I saw you take a beating on Twitter too, and a lot of it goes back to your father. Yeah, people who don't like him or are jealous or envious, and it gets really, and I know you've seen this, yeah. it
3: gets really nasty. How do you deal with that? What do you do? Well, I'll tell you, one of the fun things, you know, to be honest, when you, we talked about this earlier, when you've been made fun of by Chris Farley at seven (laughs) years old, you can take that stuff. It's just kind of, you're left. Actually, I can tell you, the first time that I I got COVID in November of 2020, was the same day that Don Jr. ended up getting COVID. We weren't near each other or anything like that, hadn't seen each other. That's pretty ironic. But but I I got a good friend of mine from back in high school who likes to every once in a while, not too often, but he'll circle a, 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 a tweet about me just to keep my ego down and send it over and do that. And he circled this tweet over and he said, today I found out that Donald Trump Jr. and Andrew Giuliani got COVID. My condolences go out to COVID. Oh, my (laughs) God. So you've got to have a sense of humor with this stuff. That's funny. But but it really is. Look, in some of these comments that you see, it really is kind of the worst of us. the worst of humanity. I don't think it's things that most people would say face-to-face to to somebody right here. So uh, I think as that continues to prevalent, we look more and more for community in other places. What is your favorite part about New York City? Oh, that's a great question. Uh I don't know if I have a favorite part about it. I think I, it's I probably think the I, combination I the Yankees, right no, there. The, Bronx, the Yankees are definitely there. one of them right there. You know, there's a there's an intangible. We talk about it with Jeter having an intangible quality as a player, but there's an intangible feeling about New York. It's difficult to to describe to people that haven't spent time here, that haven't felt it. You know, even now, and as a candidate, and as we talk about all the issues that are currently facing New York, and you see businesses and people move down to Florida, move down to Texas, I still have this feeling that New York is going to come back. I think if Congressman Zeldin doesn't win now, it might be for a decade or a couple of decades before it comes back, which would certainly break my heart. But I always have this feeling that New York might be down, that it's not out. I think it's that intangible quality. I think it's the fact that there's a plethora of things that you can do here, of different types of people that you can be around with different interests. There's always something going on in New York, whether it's sports, whether it's entertainment, whether it's in politics, whatever it may be. Uh, so it's tough to actually point to what it actually is that you love about it. But it's that feeling in the city that, you know, there's no place like this. Listen,
2: I agree. And I lived for 16 years in Boca Raton. Yeah. And you spent four years in North Carolina mm-hmm. at Duke. Um, and, again, as I said yesterday, I'm one of the only schmucks who close to 50 years old came back to New York. <laughs> Usually they leave. They, never, they don't even look back. They're like, I'm gone. So I did miss that energy. Yeah. And even now, when I rip on New York almost every day, and I moved out of New York City, obviously, I live in Queens, I'm still here every day, and I still enjoy it. But I can certainly, I can certainly envision living someplace else. If my wife said to you tomorrow, you're retiring, we're done, we're moving to Carmel, California. I'm gone. I'm gone. Can you envision Andrew Giuliani
3: at this stage of your life living someplace else? If it, if it's the right thing for my daughter besides BC. If it's if it's <laughs> yeah, good good point. If it's the right thing for my daughter. If I feel like my daughter and this is a point that I made on the campaign trail all the time. No matter how much I love New York, I love my daughter and I love my family more. Nice. And if my daughter Is if I don't feel like she's going to be safe, if I feel like she's going to be indoctrinated by some critical race theory or some woke BS, Sid, uh, then I would consider that because and I think that's what more and more families are thinking about right now. They're looking, they're seeing crime going up, they're seeing that the cost of living is absolutely through the roof. Uh, they're seeing an, an assembly in a state Senate and a city council that continues to push radical policy after radical policy. And they see what's going on down in Florida with somebody like DeSantis, who's taken such a common sense tough approach to it and because of that he's created one of the freest states in the history of our country and so the truth is i love new york and i always love will love new york but i love my family and my daughter more i'm going to do what's best for my family well i'm glad you mentioned education because when you hosted for your father last week i called in and i
2: told you the stories about my son gabriel Mm -hmm. right now he's going to a different school actually he got in yesterday so we've enrolled him it's a very expensive school six figures eighth grade okay but we have to do it hey he's got a disability and be B, he needs to be in the best school. But I told you on the air what he went through. His little buddies, all black, all of them, okay? Three years ago, all they talked about was playing basketball, the Yankees. Now, three years later, a bunch of those kids, a bunch of those kids woke up to Gabe and go, so your dad, he makes a lot of money. Hey, you're white. You're privileged. Hey, you live in Rockaway on the beach. Hey, and all of a sudden, my little boy Gabe, who invited all these kids to our house, they slept over every birthday party. All of a sudden, he's like a bad guy. He's a white kid amongst all these kids. And this is what's going on in schools all over New York City. So above and beyond the curriculum, Andrew, they're taking a bunch of little kids who otherwise may be decent people, yeah. and turning them into race right in front of my eyes. Well, the
3: critical race theory goes back to critical theory. And if you look at actually the Marxist idea of this, right, it is try to figure out ways to define, to divide, I should say, by class in whatever way they possibly could do. So what more obvious way to divide than by race, right? It's literally right on the color of your skin right there. Right. Uh, t- to me, it's it's uh, one of these things that, as I look about raising my daughter and figuring out hopefully having more kids uh my wife and i try to figure out what kind of a world is she going to be growing up in. is it going to be where we are continually actually looking at our different differences versus actually this this approach that i felt like it wasn't that long ago where we'd say hey you know what let's let's look at what actually brings us together as americans as new yorkers uh we could be different from a political standpoint but let's figure out ways to bring us together i think that's To me, one of the things that's so sad about sports getting political, it should be one of those things where you and I should be arguing about the New York Yankees and New York Mets, not whether or not they're taking this social stand or this thing right there. It should be three hours where, you know what, we don't have to worry about the, uh, the all the craziness right. in our world. Right. No, I agree. I, I couldn't stand that. We're, we're moving away from that
2: now. Yeah, thank we are. God. But uh, it's still there in yeah. small doses. So you ran this great gubernatorial campaign, and we both love Lee. I'll be with Lee all day today. You're with Lee all the time. And we want Lee to win in the worst way. But you were very impressive. I'm being honest. And, and we've become very friendly since, so I'm going to have a hard time saying bad things about you because <laughs> I'm biased. But you really ran a great campaign. And everybody says the same thing. Man, that Giuliani kid, he's going to be something else. Have you started, maybe even privately, I have to share it publicly, (laughs) have you started to think about your next move in politics or, or, and I'm being honest, you are so good at this, (laughs) so good at this, you can start doing this. Tomorrow. Have you thought about those types of
3: things? Yeah, I talk with my wife a little about it. Look, anything in politics, you have to see what happens on November 8th, right? We've got to take a look, see where these congressional races end up. Hopefully, Congressman Zeldin becomes governor elect Zeldin on November 9th. Right. Um, and you have to see where, where New York is
2: what, from a
7: statewide what, perspective.
2: Let's go
3: worst case scenario. Yeah. Lee doesn't
2: win. Mm-hmm. Does Andrew Giuliani at that point consider doing it again yeah. next
3: time around? I, I would I would never say that I'm not going to. Would I consider it? Yeah, I would consider it. would, would I, I, I'm i not looking to jump right back into a political race, though. I can tell you it takes a toll on you. It takes a toll on your family, even right. at 35, 36 years old, which certainly being one of the younger candidates to do this, right? I mean, it is you are 100% all in all the time on this. Right. And Plus, that's if why, you want
2: to have more children, it would help to be home with your wife.
3: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you want to that's, start there. I don't that's, know. that's true. That's, that's what I've been told right there, so. But I, I have, I have to tell you, it's uh, one of the one of the great things about the last couple of months. And obviously, I wanted to win and be the nominee, but to be able to spend that time with your daughter and with your wife, and that's one of those sacrifices that Congressman Zeldin is making right now. That so many people in politics do end up making that that are in for the right reasons. They unfortunately you have to sacrifice a little bit of time with your family. One of the things I can tell you is, as somebody who was a first son. And this is how I felt for certainly the second half of my father's administration. I always felt like, and I actually felt pride in doing this. I know some people kind of misinterpret this, but I felt almost like I had 8 million brothers and sisters. And what I mean by that was, I felt like my father was the father for New York City sure, in sure. some kind And of he was. He was. He was. He was. Um, but, you know, you're sharing him with so many different people. Uh, and he did an amazing job of coming to Little League games. He came to all my high school football but, but games. But you were jealous. You were jealous. So There were yeah. times you were jealous. Let's be honest. Some cop Just that would I had to share him with Sid Rosenberg. I thought everybody else <laughs> I was fine, but sharing with Sid Rosenberg well, was back too much. You know, back too then, too much. I didn't really
2: know your father all that yeah. much. But some strange cop. You're walking uh, down the block with your father. Some strange cop comes over, demands your father's attention, and you're like, oh, come on, Dad. I'm not, come on.
3: let's be You were jealous. Yeah? <laughs> I'm jealous of you right now, looking you pop out of that shirt. That's what I'm jealous of. That's what I'm jealous of. You're looking good, Sid. Uh, you too. You're on a diet. You're doing, you're doing all the I right am, things. I'm, I'm doing the intermittent fasting over here, which I know you're not a big fan of the fasting. I'm
2: not a big fan. John Katzmatidis does the same thing, and he's got this Dr. Mikolos who's yeah. a genius, knows a lot more about medicine than I do. I don't care what doctor says. It can't be good for you. You have to Eat all day long. Eat every three, four hours. Exercise. Take the right supplements. Get your metabolism burning to the point where it works, even when you're not eating. Don't put yourself in a
3: situation where you're going to be ravenous in six months because you haven't eaten basically for six months. Yeah. Well, I'm just getting to the part of Citizens United, to your book right here, where it talks about that. And yeah. I can't wait to go through it. <laughs> I'm going to have... I know you signed the book, so I might actually need another copy to read so I can <laughs> highlight and underline because, you know, I want one for the yeah. bookshelf you got and it. I want one that's going to get all, uh, you know... I'm going to have to tag it and do all that That's stuff right. so I can go back and make sure I'm going through the right workout routine. I would love to go to the gym with you, actually. Maybe no, once a week, you and I work out together. No, that'd How be great. It's that? Just like you talk about right in the beginning. You know, you feel a little embarrassed. You're going in there. You're yep. like, wait a second. You know, these 25-pound weights, you're going to be throwing up there. 75-pound weights. That's okay. You know? yeah. <laughs> I do say that in the book. <laughs> yeah, you do. You really are reading the I'm book? I'm reading the book, <laughs> believe at it or not. I know. Best. I shock people. I actually can read <laughs> top to bottom, left to right. It's an amazing <laughs> Thank thing. You. Thank you for that. We've got real
2: she got herself a big win yesterday. She's going to stop by next segment. Plus, the phones are open. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. This epic edition of Bernie and Sid. And God bless my partner and friend Bernard McGurk continues with Andrew Giuliani doing an amazing job this morning. Andrew and Sid right here. And once again on Talk Radio 77 WABC.
8: We're doing it live! Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast
0: Network.
2: little journey for you. Well, I've gotten a million messages. People are very nice. Bernard, of course. Thank God Dr. Smith saved his life. Surgery after Bernie's appendix burst Thursday. And I spoke to Carol this morning. Miss him, love him, talk about him every day. I try to mention Bernie as often as possible, which I do, when he's not here. But in his stead today, Andrew Giuliani has done not good, not very good. Really great. I mean, really great. And the apple did not fall far from the tree. Because while Andrew has been magnificent with me, his father, the greatest mayor and politician in the history of New York, a true patriot, a true American, great American, does a great job every 3 o'clock, every day here on WABC. And he's joining us right now, the man, Rudy Giuliani. And Rudy, i got to tell you, Andrew, he's so good. He's so good. Uh, Sid, is he listening to you? Yes, he is <laughs> <laughs> right now.
3: <laughs> I'm he's trying. so good. You know,
10: is he is he is he is he uh, interrupting and waving at his friends?
3: <laughs> I only do that to you specifically, <laughs> as a matter of fact, Dad. On, only to you, I try to save that stuff for for you specifically. No, but right on a serious note, I mean,
2: I I, I know <laughs> yeah, he's been around you. He, he's been he's he's around. A natural. He's he doing is. great. He's doing he great. I mean, this is his first Let's day.
10: Let's not forget. Let's not. Let's not forget for one minute that his mother uh, had a very, very – and has a very distinguished career on radio and television. Oh, well, I mean, she was the chief anchor in, in New York, she was the chief anchor in Florida. So he's, he gets it from both sides. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, I've certainly been able to see. So let me ask you, I know you were watching what was going on last night. What, what was your take on it? You know, one of the things that uh, disturbs me, and I don't know if this is specifically because we had an August primary here, but uh, 10% – was the
7: turnout oh my last God. night.
3: And, you know, you think about all the people that call into your show that are concerned. I know all those people came out to vote, but you wonder just how many New Yorkers. They said of the 2.3 million New Yorkers that had races, uh, only two hundred and thirty, two hundred and forty thousand 240,000 New Yorkers uh, ended up coming out to vote yesterday. So wh- what can we do to actually pump turnout I here? Dan?
10: I don't get it. You know, I know it's August. I know it's a terrible time to yeah. pick, to do it, even worse than when, when you had your primary and your primary was at a bad time, uh, but uh, th- with the condition of the country, wouldn't you think, Andrew said, that people would uh, would would show up? Yeah. I mean, uh, everybody is complaining. You can't walk. I can't walk two blocks without five people coming up to me, telling me how terrible things are, either in the city or the country. I mean, it's like on everybody's mind and they don't
3: show up to vote it's the one thing they can do to fix it and you have 10 days to vote beforehand if you can't vote on election right. day too on top of that it's right. not a matter of hey look I'm busy this day so I have to move this this and this around you got 10 days to vote get out and vote maybe this wasn't publicized enough
10: you, you know, know in a way and it is it is i mean it is the worst 2 weeks of the summer right this is the this is the yeah. this is the week these are the 2 weeks in which we have to do everything we can to help restaurants get people, and uh, that's where, this is when I started the uh, stop till you drop and drop the taxes so that there'd be, be activity in the retail stores. Uh, but still, uh, the conditions in the country are at a stage in which I never remember as many people, even back in Carter d- days, <laughs> discouraged with <laughs> the country. Even the Democrats are discouraged for their own reasons. Well, you think they come out
2: to vote. you, you think they would, but I find it interesting. Uh, I've got an event coming up later on today. Andrew was going to come to, but he's busy for Lee Zeldin. a Big, big, big event. And he's got a couple over the next few weeks, which I'll be at. And, and Democrats complain about the crime in New York, too. But every poll that we see, Rudy, and I know they're skewed towards Democrats. You can't trust all these polls. But every poll has hokal up, not a little, a lot. Why is that? We may –
10: I mean, uh, the, I hate to say this, but these people in New York may be brainwashed. I mean, they you're, may be officially brainwashed. Yeah, yeah. L- look, I mean, – How I, can you confront every day – you pick up, uh, let's say, the New York Post, right? And it takes half the, half the newspaper to get through the crimes.
7: <laughs>
10: I mean, it's one crime after another. And you know they're leaving out terrible ones. People being thrown on the subway. The old people being hit in the back. Uh, stores being robbed. Carjacking's are going up like crazy. I feel like volunteering for uh, for carjacking. Uh, I brought carjacking down. It was my biggest success. 80%. Just me before Bloomberg. 80%. We wiped it out. We got rid of carjacking so well that I went to the insurance companies and I said, "Lower the price of insurance." Uh the I mean the rea- the reality is it's the easiest crime to stop. And why it's going on, it's because these people are emboldened.
3: So, so look, as bad as New York has been here the last year, couple years under the, the mayor de Blasio, and now, unfortunately, under Eric Adams, who does a great job going to zero bond every single night, but actually does not <laughs> yet uh, do anything of, of substance, uh, how – it's true but look at this when before you became mayor there were four years in a row of over two thousand murders a year now we're you know five to six hundred it's nowhere near what it was in the early 90s i mean are we in a place where new york city can feasibly turn around now or is new york city just going to continue to have to go down this slope to get so much worse before they'd they'd elect a a change agent like a rudy giuliani
10: it's a very good question, Andrew. I think practically we're not at a critical stage. I, I hate to say that because I want people to vote. Practically, in numbers, we're not at a critical stage. Uh, like those cities, right. uh, Philadelphia's about ready to disappear. Atlanta's is about ready to disappear. <laughs> yeah. uh, Chicago's gone. <laughs> I mean, Chicago's basically gone. Uh, and plus, we've only had our our um, we've only had our Soros DA for less than a year. They've had Soros DA like Philadelphia for seven or eight years. He's ruined the place. Uh, but psychologically, in many ways, psychologically we're in a worse place than we were then. Mm. Because the people, the people when I ran were disgusted, but they also knew how to deal with crime. They've been dealing, it since they were bo- yeah. dealing with it since they were born. Twenty-seven years. But people today, I'm not going to say they were spoiled. They were treated to America the way it should be. Twenty years of. Roughly a little crime. So to them, I think it's even a bigger shock. And number two, the criminals are bolder. There are less of them, but they're bolder. I don't remember this tremendous disrespect for cops.
2: No. No, because...
10: Uh, They are still afraid of cops. Back
7: then,
2: they were still afraid of cops. There's no repercussions. They don't pay any penalties. The, the, The bail reform makes them emboldened to do the things that they do. I got one more for you, Rudy, before we run... Your son just ran a really impressive campaign for his first he year. He sure did. Right, Then he? Major campaign, second place, governor of New York. It was great. And I asked him this, and he was honest. He said, I'll talk with my wife, and, you know, we, 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 our, our main thing is grace and, and, and that she's good to go and we're happy. But I'll ask you, how quickly would you like to see Andrew get back in the politics game or not?
10: I was always of two minds as his father. As his father, my advice to him is don't get involved in politics. As a patriot, my advice to him is get involved in politics because, and I know this comes from his father, you're unique. There aren't many like you. We think there are, but there aren't. And there are fewer uh, nowadays that have the courage of their convictions, meaning Andrew means what he says, and he will do it. And he's a determined guy. You know that just knowing him now that you've gotten to know him. Yes. And he's a decent human being. He's got yes. good morals. He's got good judgment. And this is exactly what the United States of America needs. So when I look at him as a son, I, I, I say, like, if he, if he wanted to be a cop, it would be the same advice. Yeah. <laughs> no, please. All your uncles were cops. One was one of the biggest heroes in the history of the department. Uh, but, but don't do it. But we need you. <laughs> so well, it's a, it's a hard one.
3: Well, that it's means the really world's coming one. to dad. I, I know there's a hard out that Sid's trying to get to. But before you do that, I just have one quick question: Did uh, who won the baseball game last you, night? I just ju- want what are you to know. Doing? I forgot. <laughs> he said Judge this
10: won a couple times, but Sid's a big
1: right Mets tonight. fan. Right? You, do you, you, do
10: you think? Mean? You think <laughs> even though I'm boycotting, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Judge won it, and, and 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 we beat, and we beat. Uh, yeah. We won that. We we beat the Mets.
3: Oh, oh, a mini we super. Right we're there. only
10: two and two with them. We're going to need a World Series yeah, to really beat
3: yeah. them this year. That sounds good. He
2: brought that up because he knows I'm a diehard Mets fan, Rudy. <laughs> so it's close as me and yeah. your son have well, become. We're
10: going <laughs> to we'll have a heck of a lot of fun. we have a heck of a lot of fun if it's a if it's a if it's a World Series. Do you know George Steinbrenner hated that?
2: Yes. He yes. was so
10: afraid the yep. Yankees would lose. And for 100 years, they'd never play again. Right. And the Mets would have that over them. <laughs>
2: right. Well, he got the better back in 2000. Hey, Rudy, we love you, man. Thank you so much, love you, oh,
10: I love your show. You know that. And give, give my best to Bernie. I, I love will. him, too.
2: I will. Thank Uh, you. There he is, the great Woody Giuliani. That
3: was very nice. I I saw you start to... Emotional. You got choked up. When your dad says that, and and I've read about that in the book, how close you are with your father, Sid. When your father says that about you, it's, you know, look, we're all trying to either impress our parents or our kids. No, listen, the thing I miss most is after every show that I did
2: for 20 years, Andrew, we didn't miss a day. Wow. My father would text me and go, son, that was a great show. Yeah. And I haven't gotten that text in two years traffic and sports are coming up next but right now it's time for the 77 wabc clip of the day ah, damn it you got me all emotional <laughs> you and rudy listen to 77 wabc sports top five on the red apple podcast network download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts Hear my guys mike Dadino and macedonia phil dixon talk about ranger and nick owner
4: james dolan how likely do you think it is that James the Dolan pulls the trigger after all this time and finally sells all three? I'd probably say unlikely. What do you think? I think it's probably unlikely, too. I mean, the guy is one of the most stubborn owners in all of sports. Why would he sell it? Money? It's a lot of money. And who would be the front runner to buy it? That's the thing. It's such an unexplainable amount of money. He's trying to—apparently, it's going to go for around $15 billion combined for the whole package— There's so few people on Earth who have $15 billion, let alone people who are going to actually spend that much on sports stuff. I don't think it's very likely. Now, it's
0: time to Beat Bernie. It's time to Beat Bernie. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters.
5: You think you can beat Bernie? Good luck. It's time to Beat Bernie.
14: Yes, again, not time to beat Bernie, but beat Sid due to Bernie's absence. The Peerless Boilers Beat Bernie contest. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, Pavilion Tankless.com for a dealer near you. Peerless Boilers, America's best built boilers. So we got Garrett on hold from Long Island. He'll take the winnings if Andrew here can uh, claim the victory over Sid. How you feeling, Andrew? Garrett, I'm
3: I'm hoping for you over here. I got to tell you, this is the most nervous I've been in the show over here. I've heard... How many, uh, how, how well Bernie does. I've heard Sid a few less times over here, but I'm going to try my best for you, Garrett.
14: All right. Absolutely. Garrett, uh, we'll, we'll have Garrett on hold here, uh, standing by for hopefully his winnings, and we'll hop right in because we got to blow through this thing. Here we go. we got 20, Tina Forte coming up in just a few minutes. We're excited for that. All right, Andrew. Number one, what Hall of Fame third baseman claims to have drinking 107 beers on a cross-country flight the day before a game? Who
3: is Wade Boggs. <laughs> He even got the who is I, I wasn't on that flight with him, I promise. Yeah, Shit <laughs> so yeah,
14: might have been. Yeah, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Number two, fictional character Hannibal Lecter cynically referred to this actual place as Anthrax Island in Silence of the Lambs. To what real island off the tip of Long Island's North Fork was he referring?
3: What real island off the tip of the North Fork? I'm going to guess Block Island,
14: but I don't know. Wrong, you're two-legged like back of Anthrax. <laughs> Not please. a bad guess. Yeah. Plum Island would be the correct Plum answer. Island one for two on to number three what NBA head coach holds a perfect record 24 and0 in playoff series within his conference
3: 24 and0 within his conference peace uh Phil Jackson Wrong.
1: get two-legged like back of no. the yeah he lost a couple years ago
14: good yeah. guess that's a good guess Steve yeah. Kerr current Steve Kerr how wow. about that the dynasty lives on yeah. number four What is the New York State bird? Is it A, ruffed grouse, grouse, B, American goldfinch, C, eastern bluebird, or C,
3: or just C, eastern bluebird? It's not the pigeon, so it's not D, the pigeon. I'm going to go with the eastern bluebird. This is something I should know. Very good, very good. (laughs) And you knew it.
14: Two for four. Let's try and go three for five here. Number five in 2013, what quarterback broke the NFL record for most passing yards in a season with 5,477, beating the previous record by just one yard? So that is 2015.
3: 2013.
1: 2013. Uh, Tom Brady. Wrong. you too like a man. No.
3: Nope. Peyton Manning. Uh man. Exactly. Well, Gabriel, I don't know how I did there for you. I I hope uh, I hope Sid maybe is not as strong today. Let's see. Well, I can tell you one thing. He's not going to get the state bird. <laughs> <laughs> he did well. Two uh, you know, for your first showing, it's not bad. Not not bad if I'm hitting a 95 mile per hour
14: fastball, but you yeah. might be able
3: to get this one here, Sid.
14: You oh. need you need three to uh, to claim the
3: victory. So he, has, he, got two, he got two, right?
14: Yeah, two, two right. right.
3: Two, I know, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And you're right, though. It's like and I started it started off one for one hot right there, uh-huh. and then just you know, you fell off? let it go. I fell off. Uh, so all right, let's continue
14: so the game. Here we go. Number <laughs> one. What Hall of Fame third baseman claims to have drinking 107 beers on a cross-country flight The day before a game? Hall of Fame... Fi- oh,
2: White Wade Boggs uh, He had the chicken wings with that oh, And Dave? had sex with a very ugly woman Oh, okay, yeah. right. I know that, okay. He Thanks, left that part out <laughs> <laughs> Yeah <laughs>
14: Number two Fictional character Hannibal Lecter Cynically referred to this actual place as Anthrax Island in Silence of the Lambs To what real island off the tip of Long Island's North Fork was he referring is this Is a real
2: question? This is a real question, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with um, the island of Lesbos. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wrong, you two-legged back of Anthony. So you know, close.
2: not one lesbian lives on that <laughs> island, by the
14: way, not oh. one. All
1: right. Well, you that's... Lose a point for not even picking
14: an island off the, course, uh, off the <laughs> north wall? Yeah. Well, what did he say, Andrew said? He said Block Island. What's the answer? Plum Island. Uh, so is Block Island, there? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Block Island's <laughs> out there. <I'm> <laughs> today. I have no <laughs> idea. Yeah. No, I have no idea. Number three. <laughs> All right, number three. What NBA head coach holds a perfect record 24-0 in playoff series within his conference?
1: Jesus.
2: I'm going to go with Red Auerbach.
1: Wrong. you two-legged back of Anthony. <laughs> Greg here. Popovich.
2: Pat Riley. Larry Brown. Steve Kerr. Oh, Steve Kerr.
1: You're so close.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the current uh, NBA dynasty. I see. I never think of current people. I yeah, hate them all. No, I so. know. And
14: I really hate Steve Kerr. Yeah. yeah, You're living in the past. Here we go. Number four. What is the New York State bird? Is it A, a ruffed grouse, B, American goldfinch, or C, eastern bluebird?
3: You got this right, Andrew. Believe it or not, yes, it's not the pigeon, so don't say D I, the pigeon. I, I, th- you would think it was the pigeon. That's the, the city bird. The guy was running for governor of New York. That's you the would,
14: city you know, bird. That, give, give, me, give, me, give me the choices one more time. A, Ruffed Grouse. B, American Goldfinch. C, Eastern Bluebird. The B one. <laughs> 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 Eastern Bluebird. Correct answer. Whatever. Number five. I don't even know how I was many you got to say right. that. If I've ever heard of one. Is yeah. it? No, you got one. You got one for four. You it's need this be, to tie. It's a hard game. Here we go. In 2013, what quarterback broke the NFL record for most passing yards in a season with 5,477, beating the previous record by just one yard? Drew Brees. Mm-mm. Wrong. You
3: two-legged bag of anthrax. It's Peyton Manning. Yep. So I lost. Okay, we won by default over here. I'll take, I'll take so, a win. That was tough. Those yeah. were tough questions, yeah. Yeah. by the way. So,
2: Garrett out in Long Island will get, uh, I, I, we'll just, get the question. Plus, you know, I threw the game. Just yeah. so.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I knew Peyton Manning,
2: but uh, we'll take a short break. we got to come back and talk to Tina Porte and wrap things up. That was fun. More of a Bernie and Sid with Andrew and Sid right after this. we got to get to this right away because the show is winding down. We're going to make this quicker than Tina's husband on a Saturday night. Now, you're happy? You didn't say it on the phone. Now, you had to make me say it on the air. She's one of my favorite people, and I got a beautiful picture of her and Maureen. Well, from across the street, the great news Yeah, Max. Maureen's uh, great. You know Maureen, right? Maureen's wonderful. Isn't one she great? One of the best. A great makeup, girl. Yeah. Uh, last night, she comes off a big win of a Cuellar. We're so excited for her. The great real Tina, Tina Forte. Congratulations, Tina.
5: Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Sid.
2: Hi, Andrew. Don't mind my Uh, voice. No, that's okay. (laughs) Tina, congratulations. (laughs) Really amazing.
5: Thank you so
2: much. We both love you. Joe the Box, uh, America First Warehouse, listening right now. He loves you, too. So we'll make this very, very very quick. I know you love Joe. Uh, Congratulations. Uh, You did get the win, and now you set your sights on AOC. What do you do next?
5: Yeah. I want to thank all my Bronx and Queens voters and everyone that voted. It came out for me. I said it from the beginning that this is why primaries are so important in New York. It should be the people who choose who they want to represent them. The establishment Republican Party in New York needs to own up to that now. So we can all work on making New York better for we the people. The choice belongs to all of you. All the votes that made our voices heard last night and put me... As a front runner to AOC, and I'm going to take it to her because I am fighting for lower taxes, our streets safer, our schools better. I'm going to protect our freedoms, and I'm fighting for us, not the establishment elites or the special
3: interests. Well, we can all get behind that there, Tina. Now you could hear just how much you've put your heart, your soul into this. Uh, so how do we beat the one, the only Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, somebody who I think has done more destruction to our political system over the past four years than
7: anybody?
5: Well, I think everybody needs to stand with me, fight with me, rally around me, because I will be the one to take it to her. I just need everyone to rally around me, and I promise I will not let anyone down.
2: We believe everyone you. Everyone yep. to speak
5: up and speak out.
2: We believe you, Tina. Go go, rest your voice. Congratulations. and en- Enjoy the day. You've got a lot of work to do now because now you're really in the hot seat. So go out there and kick that girl's ass. And anytime you need me and Bernie or Andrew or anybody, you know we're only a phone call away. Congratulations, sweetheart.
5: Thank you so much, and God bless you.
2: you, you job Well done. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Tina, for that. I uh, just got a text from Kimberly Guilfoyle, who sent her regards to you too, Andrew. Uh,
3: send her my best. Yep. When you
2: see her tonight, send her Don Jr., my best. Yes, I'll see them both. She said, uh, hey, honey, I just saw this message and 32 text messages. I'm rushing on my way with Don to the airport. See you tonight. There hey, there the great
3: Bodito. You love Bodito? Uh, hey, is. how about that? Bodito? Yeah. You never know who's going to stop by over here. Really, really? Look at him. Really great. Yeah. I don't know if I like that Bodito's directly behind me, though, right here. And I think he's got that's why you're in that seat <laughs> over here. Well, that's that's why I don't like it at all right there, you know? <laughs> Bo, you look great, by the way. He's tan. He's got a yellow tie on. Look how good you I look. I can't tell who's more tan. i got to you guys side by I side. Think he's he's more tan. He might be more tan. Yeah, he's a little good. more red. Tan, he, looking good right look there. Good, Bob. Very good. That's another great American
2: right there, Bo Dietl, I love him, and I love you. I got to tell you, you were not good. You were great today. It was fun. These four hours flew by. It really and did. It, I really, really enjoyed it. I, I knew I would.
3: I knew this day was coming, and uh, for me, at least, you were even better than I thought you were going to be. So oh, well, Thank you. Great, well, I'll tell you what. Okay, I, I got to ride the coattails of a radio legend. That really is true. I mean, look, I've been a fan for so long so to be able you. to sit here and do this has really been a blast it
2: was great you were great your father Rudy Giuliani Peter King Lee Zeldin <laughs> Tina Forte uh, we want to thank all of our uh, guys here of course me and Andrew Lou Rufino terrific job Macedonia Bill he's blowing kisses Justin Ellick <laughs> Deb <laughs> Valentine
3: Frankie Diaz Jacqueline Carl the whole crew where well, are you off to now, Andrew? Right now, I'm probably going to go change a diaper with Grace over That's here. That's um, Spend a little time with her today okay. and the wife, you know, all that time on the campaign trail. you got to yeah. make sure you're checking in with the family. Uh, no oh doubt. Hey, listen, you do an amazing
7: get,
2: job. Doesn't get better than that. Thank you. You were great today. I'll be back again tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. It's a Thursday. That means Bill O'Reilly will be here. And, of course, I'll have all the stories from this big Lee's, Lee Zeldin event later on tonight. So, on behalf of Andrew Giuliani, I'm Sid Rosenberg. Enjoy your sunny Wednesday in New York City from all of us to all all of you till 6am tomorrow
7: morning peace